This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. Give me a name. Like Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Crage, alongside, as always, the King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Big Georgetown win today over Villanova. I'm all I, fired up. About your that. boy, Big Pat. I saw him out there really having a day. He's, this is my house. He owns MSG. They got to know I who mean, I am. That's a lot of big talk for a man that never won a title, but that's all right. Well, I mean, who else has won a title in that building in the last? <laughs> Harry Gallatin. <laughs> so, yeah, Whose building unless is Unless you're Mark Bill Bradley, you really can't. Yeah, unless you're Walt uh, or is Bill it, Bradley. Yeah, it's your... your uh... Is it Mark Messier's building? Oh, that's true. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have they Stephon won it more recently Mattel? than that? Is that the last time the Rangers won the, the, the Stanley Cup, 94? Yeah, 94, yeah. Damn, that's it? Fuck. I, I assume they maybe got lucky a little bit early. <laughs> Sometime in the 2000s. Yeah, wow, what a... Uh... Well... A lot of Big East championships. Kemba Walker, I guess, could lay claim to uh, MSG being his house, right? The um, our one of our proms in high school was the same night as the deciding game of the Rangers Stanley Cup that year. I'm guessing. And, uh, I, I know what you did. <laughs> I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say, "Well, I'm not a hockey guy, but the the, the Monday back at school, all the girls were fucking pissed because." <laughs> They got completely no sold and ignored at this prom. Um, I wasn't even there. I wasn't even at this prom, but it was like yeah, more 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 people were concerned with Brian Leach than uh, than their dates. I assume. On that, oh on yeah, that night, yeah. So. I mean, you know that 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 whole you know Rangers Stanley Cup drought was such a big thing, you know, in that area of the country at that time. So, um. Yeah, that I'll always remember. It ruining basically the prom for for every girl in my high school. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, and you know, I was kind of a, still a pretty young sports fan at that time. But I remember that the the whether it was media creation or not or whatever it was, like they had everybody was rooting for the Rangers there, and nobody ever roots for New York in anything. But in like 1994, the Rangers in the Stanley Cup, and that had been a long time since like New York teams have been super. I mean, obviously you, you hadn't quite had the Yankees run. Uh, yet, you know, they were in their little dark period at that point, too. Uh, the Knicks were, like, fine, but obviously I was a, a Bulls fan in Chicago, and they kind of ripped their heart out uh, plenty of times. So it was like, hey, this is this chance for this New York team to finally do it. And I remember, like, the nation kind of rallied behind the New York Rangers, even though, like, nobody ever rallies behind the New York teams, ever. I was rooting against them. I don't know. I don't who even, who, who were they against? I have no idea who they were against. Vancouver. Vancouver. Like, I, you know, I did know that, actually. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, Canucks had really cool jerseys at the time, so I guess I should have been a Canucks fan too. This, by the way, is the extent of my hockey knowledge. It doesn't yeah, so extend there was somebody talking recently that was like, "Ah, oh, you guys should talk about hockey now that they're coming back to NHL or the ESPN." And I'm like, I think Joe and I's hockey knowledge ends at about, I would say, conservatively about 1997, but probably like 1994, 95 is about when it ends. 
That's when. That's about when mine ends. Yeah, yeah. NHL '95 is pretty much where. <laughs> right. I know like Pavel Bure and and Brian Leach and Mark Messier and those sort of guys, but after that, it gets pretty cloudy. <laughs> any, any newer players? I couldn't tell you much about a Jerome Ginla. I know he played for the Calgary Flames, and that's about the extent of Jerome Ginla. And he's probably been retired now for five, ten years at this point. So. I don't think I can name five active NHL players. I bet you can. Um, Sidney Crosby. I think. Well, the problem is I'm not sure. I think yes. Okay. I think he's yeah, still guy, active, right? He's guy, still active, right? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is the guy keeping count. Of <laughs> I'm sure he was active anymore. He's he's old now, but he's he's still active. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, Ovechkin. Yes. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's in the Capitals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Who's the really good kid on the Oilers? Uh, McDavid, right? Connor McDavid. That's a team effort. We got three. There we go. Nice job. Connor McDavid. That's three. I swear I'm tapped out. Um, I can Yami cheat a little bit. Y- is, is Yamir Yager holding on <laughs> I somewhere? I wish, but no. I think like two years ago he finally called it quits at like age 62 or whatever he was. So Let's I'm sure he's played in some. Yeah. He's definitely played in some like Russian league at some point for sure. I know that for a fact. He's got to be. There's no way he's done done. So Crosby, McDavid, and Ovechkin. I think that's like those are like the three freebies you would get if you were like everyone has to know that. Like if you're if you're unless you're under a rock, you'd probably get those three, right? So we're not even accomplishing anything here. No, no. I can I can also help out a little bit with like you know local guys who are on their absolute last legs. Like yeah, I you got, know a lot of Blackhawks. Yeah, I got like right? Patrick Kane and 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 Jonathan Taves and and I know PK Subban as well. So there you go. Never heard of any of them. Um, <laughs> I've never heard of any of those people. No, okay. I, no, hockey is just so far off my radar. Yeah, like, well, and the problem too is if you watch like regular sports, like on TV, like Sports Center, they do they never talk about hockey anymore. <laughs> like that was always the joke they, growing up. That yeah. was always the joke that they all oh, they never talked about hockey. They talked a lot about hockey when I was growing up. Of course, it was only Barry Melrose. They would just like have Barry Melrose there and some, you know. S- stupid Syracuse grad sports center anchor would say, Barry, uh, what's going on with the lightning? And then Barry Melrose would talk for three, you know, 15 minutes about the Tampa Bay lightning. And then they go right back to, you know, talking about LeBron or Tom Brady or whatever. But uh, they, they used to do that a lot. I don't even know if they do that anymore, to be honest. No, they, he's Barry Melrose is the only hockey analyst that ESPN employs, which they're going to have to change now that they got the NHL contract back. But, in the interim, since they've last had hockey, he's the only one. That, and for a couple of years, they had a few others, but he's been the—he's literally the only guy that they employ in the building that covers hockey on ESPN Television. Um, so you're not wrong; that's like still the case. And and the, like I remember, the anchors would have no idea because like, they couldn't bounce stuff off. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the anchor would sort of like have a conversation with the guy. Like they never—they would just say team yeah. names or guys' names, and the Barry Mills would talk about them because it's like I don't know. Like what do you want me to tell you? Ask you about the freaking Calgary Flames? You know their their chances in the 2009 you know NHL season? Like just talk, Barry. Just go. Go ahead. A couple of them do. Linda Cohn knows hockey. Um, Scott Van Pelt. Knows hockey, I think John Butchergrass knows hockey. Um, this, the new ones have no clue, right? I those three for sure I know can intelligently talk hockey. Um, oh, uh, well, he's not ESPN, but um, Mike Tirico knows hockey. Um, yeah, as far as ESPN guys go, though, I don't, I don't know how many others. No, they better learn it though. They better... <laughs> yeah, they're about to have it in prime time a lot. So, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if like Neil Everett from Hawaii 
is up on his hockey. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, you like any I mean? any sort of these like the the constant revolving door of like Syracuse grad, yeah, brown haired guys or ambiguously ethnic hot women that they have on there. Like, yeah, they don't know hockey at all. So. They don't know hockey. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, but they're gonna have to pick it up, you know. So. That that's an odd way to start the show. It, well, it has wrestling ramifications as well because that that's a big thing. That that TV deal, that NHL deal, is a huge, huge deal uh, for for live sports and the future of live sports and all that sort of stuff. So I am a uh, I'm really curious what happens. I mean, everybody, the, the question that everybody you know after that deal got signed, that people that were you know know anything about sports and know anything about wrestling, we had a lot of people say, "Well, what does that mean for wrestling? What does it mean for AEW and WWE?" And what it means is they probably cannot wait to renegotiate their television contracts because they're going to get a big bag of money to do so because the the whole game has changed. I mean, right now, for whatever this is worth, and it, it relates to the Peacock and the WWE Network thing as well, is if these networks have now decided that these TV deals are both for you know cable television and, and, and broadcast television and also streaming, and, and they so badly want to win the streaming war, whatever the streaming war is right now, you're going to get a big bag of money to have live sports, and 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 if live sports on these streaming things is going to be big, and and yeah, that's why WWE got a big bag of money from Peacock, and the NHL got a big bag of money from uh, ESPN. So that's not stopping anytime soon. No, it's uh, that's only half the deal too. So um, for the NHL, so there, there's still other bidders for the other half of the deal. Did that that news didn't come down yet, did it? Uh oh, of where it's going to go? Yeah, no, just just ESPN so far, but just now, ESPN yeah, now we're waiting yeah. kind of for that next thing. Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of streaming involved in that too, though. A lot of streaming content. So, I mean, if 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 the wrestling contracts were coming up now, that'd probably be ideal. Who you know, the landscape could always change when these deals are up. Um, but we've been talking about this bubble bursting since we've been doing this show, and it hasn't burst. So, yeah, I mean, it bodes well for now, at least, uh, for both of the wrestling companies for their next deals. If the NHL is getting a deal like this, I mean NHL does comparable ratings to AEW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, uh, you know, not Stanley Cup playoffs, but you know, you just your run of the mill regular season games. Um, now AEW actually they 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 pretty much they beat regular season NHL, um, like season openers and playoff games. That's more of a better that's a better comp for basically what AEW does, just to get an idea. But again, AEW is just. One or soon to be uh, two shows, three total hours a week. Whereas the NHL, um, well, I don't know how many. Oh, see, ESPN's only getting twenty-five games. Yeah, th- that's why I said this is a very interesting deal from that yeah. sense. And I think a lot of people read that and think, okay, great. Now ESPN's going to show primetime hockey, and it's like, yeah, they're going to be a little bit. You know, there will like be a little a week, bit there, basically. But like game a week, right? It's it's a game a week, and then a <laughs> lot of it is we want you to have a lot of games on ESPN Plus. Like, and that, yes. that's, that's the big, and that is a total game changer there because this is not, we have now entered completely new territory where a network is going to pay a, a sports property, a live sports property and say, Hey, we're going to put your shit behind our streaming service. Like that, that would be unheard of five years ago for, for that to happen. You know what I mean? Like that just wasn't what was happening. What, and we talked about it again with the WWE network is that, you know, five years ago it was no, 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 do your own thing. So the NHL has their own app and the MLB has their own app and NBA has their own app and all these other things had their own app and they were going to cut out the middleman and yada, 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 and all that sort of stuff. Well, now you have the TV network saying, okay, well, no, now we're going to get, we're going full bowl in the, into this streaming service. We are going to go as much, ESPN plus we're going to, 
team it with Disney Plus and the, the da, 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 all those sort of stuff. And uh, Peacock, obviously. And then, you know, Turner has their properties, but they're not in, I guess, a, 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 as much of a, a situation right now as like ESPN and NBC and, and all these ones are. But yeah, we've entered, you know, completely new territory where now the networks are paying to have the ability to be the exclusive streaming home of, of some of these shows or whatnot. And that's, that's big. That is a big turnaround for live sports. And if that, you know, and, and, and right now the money's getting thrown around for that. The money's getting thrown around to get people onto these streaming services. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it, we're definitely in uncharted territory for sure. Yeah. It's um, with only 25 games a season. I mean, it's all, they're paying for the streaming and obviously the, the, the playoffs and the finals, which is, which is lucrative. Right. But, um, yeah, it's uh, you know, all these whenever there's a new deal, you know, the NFL is, is re-upping all of their deals right now. So I know that's a completely different animal. But where that could affect things is, you know, some of these networks invest so much in the NFL that that eats up the whole budget. You know, and the networks that might get left out in the cold when it comes to the NFL all of a sudden have a ton of budget available to spend on other things. So that's why it's relevant to pay attention to what happens with these with these NFL deals too. And there's a lot of talk that the Thursday night football package could end up on Amazon streaming exclusively. I know Amazon streams the Thursday night package now, but it's a simulcast. You also get it on TV. Um, but the talk is that it would go exclusively, and that would be unprecedented mm-hmm. for yeah. an NFL package to go exclusively on a stream. Um, so that's definitely something to keep your eyes on also. I, I don't know if a wrestling company, a big-time wrestling company, would roll the dice and go exclusively on a stream. I, I mean, I guess if the money was right, because that's, you know, as we talk about all the time, it's just, you know, the the... The key revenue now is are those rights fees, but my brain is just so wired to pay per view and tickets that my initial instinct to that idea is well, then how are you going to sell your pay per views and sell tickets if you're on a stream and limiting your audience? But that's where all the revenue is now, the rights fees. So right, it matter. right, right. And these networks are gambling that that will not be, you know, reducing your audience, that, that they can finally get people away from just watching their TVs and instead going and streaming stuff. Because at the end of the day, like, and, and people, you know, the dumbest thing you ever hear in, in any ratings discussion is, yeah, well, do they count the streams? Do they count the streams? And we've been straight up told from multiple people, the streams yeah. are completely irrelevant. Do not worry about the streams. It doesn't matter. Yes, they, they occur. Yes, we rate them. Yes, they're in Nielsen, yada, yada, yada. But trust us, it's all about getting people to sit on their couch and turn on TNT or whatever and, and, and watch it on their TV. Well, what's going on now is these networks are gambling and saying, no, we are going to finally go and, and, and try like hell to make sure that an NHL fan doesn't just say, oh, well, they got a game a week on ESPN and instead goes, well, let's see what's on ESPN Plus and let me log in ESPN Plus and see what's on there. Or, you know, for WWE, let me log on to Peacock and see what's going on there. So that 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 is the gamble they're taking. Whether that's going to work or not, I have no idea. But if that's where the money's at, you got to go there. So, yeah, if someone comes with a big bag of cash to, you know, AEW and says, hey, I want you guys off Turner and only on our streaming service, you're right. That could be, you know, something that is a short term. Well, fuck, we can't turn down this money. 
But what is the long term of that? Do we know if that's going to actually work or not? And 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 we don't. Everyone's everyone's gambling right now that this is the next wave. That everyone's just going going to officially make the move to streaming services and 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 and, and terrestrial t- or normal you know cable television or or you know whatever television that's not going to matter as much anymore. And I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's we're dealing with it a lot in 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 baseball as well. I know obviously you you being a huge baseball fan, you know this. Like a lot of radio stations are just like not carrying teams anymore and a lot of teams are not going on the radio anymore they're just saying ah we're going to stream it on our website and it's getting a lot of blowback from people that are like whoa whoa whoa, hold on a minute (laughs) like i'm not going to your website like i want to be in my you know just walk around you know i i and i I love baseball on the radio that's one of my favorite things to do is in the summer just put on the radio and 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 sit outside or work around the yard or do whatever you know even if i'm around my house even if i'm like playing video games or watching something else i love baseball on the radio baseball on the radio rules but yeah a lot of these teams are are basically just trying to jump ahead and say ah yeah you don't really care about radio so we're just going to put it on our our website and it's like there's been a lot of blowback i forget who it was but uh uh, one of the I, Oakland, maybe I want to say either Oakland or Toronto was basically going to not show stuff on the radio. And then there was so much outcry that people, they finally were able to re up with some radio station and, and, and get the, the games on there because yeah, they're just sort of trying to go past that. And I think you see that a lot with the, the, the TV networks too, just saying, ah, we'll just, you know, go to our streaming service. It's all on there. And I don't know if that's going to work yet. We don't know. Well, if you listen to Twitter or people who call in sports talk shows, you would think that nobody under 40 uh you know has a cable package anymore you know everyone swears that they've cut the cord they swear that every single person they know has cut the cord but then when you see the facts and the real data for a major sporting event and it's like 3% of the viewers streamed it never adds up to the reality is never the perception you know you see uh uh, all of these people who reply to Meltzer on Twitter and are like, "Ah, oh, well, television ratings. Everyone I know has cut the cord. <laughs> right? Does... Nobody cares." And it's like, "Well, who cares about one. their bad ratings? People are streaming it instead." <laughs> it's like yeah, well, they're, they're, not. Not. <laughs> they're not. Okay, number one, first of all, the television ratings will continue to matter when you're getting billion-dollar deals based on the television ratings. That's number one. Don't be stupid. Okay, it just shows how. We... Number two, the facts never line up with that. Major sporting events, it's always like under 5% or around 5% of the people who are watching via streams. People are still watching TV. And and it's just – there is a lot of jumping of the gun in that regard. I mean we straight up asked the people in AEW how many people are watching on the TNT app. And the response we got was that the number is so insignificant that they don't even bother tracking it anymore. Right. They tracked it in the first few weeks. And then they were like, why are we wasting our time? This number is irrelevant. It's completely insignificant. Yet, if you go on Twitter, everybody swears that they've cut the cord 10 years ago. I, I haven't had a, I haven't paid for cable in a decade. Nobody I know watches TV. Everybody's streaming. No person under 30. It's just, it, it's not true. I don't know why people, it's almost like people always relate their own situation and assume that that's everybody else. I think that might be what it is. Or it's just a lie that has been so constantly repeated that it has now just become fact in a lot of people's heads. You know, it's it's like just because you cut the cord uh, doesn't mean that everyone in your situation has also cut the cord. It's just the facts never line up with that. Um, 
and, and and the reason we asked AEW is because I think we saw the Super Bowl streaming number. What was it? I don't remember, so someone could tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. But I think it was like 5% of the audience watched the Super Bowl or whatever it was via a stream. And I, I asked if that lined up with their data, and they were like, we don't know. We don't track that shit anymore. <laughs> right, right. Because right. it's because it, it's irrelevant. Like no no one was watching on the app, so we stopped paying attention. And the app is factored into Nielsen anyway. But in terms of knowing the split, it's so insignificant that they don't even care. So, um, yeah, the the whole streaming thing. It's look, they're they're all trying to get ahead, but we're not there yet. And that's why something like um, Peacock lost a billion dollars. What they lose a uh, nine hundred? Just under, yeah, just under, just under a billion, yeah, nine fifty five million, I think it, it was, or somewhere around there. But yeah, just under a billion dollars. Yeah, they lost a billion dollars last year. So you know, these are all they all all these. Streaming services realize that they're going to be running in the red for for years, you know, for a half decade. They're budgeted for that. They're all banking on, and this is why we talk. We're in sort of the second stage of the streaming wars, and you know, it's all going to get whittled down. And a lot of them are going to throw in the towel, like WWE Network did. But a lot of the big boys are going to start throwing in the towel and and merging. I think that's going to be the next stage. That's going to be stage three in this where we're going to see all of the mergers take place, where let's say, and I'm just throwing some out there, say maybe Hulu decides, ah, you know, we're getting our ass kicked, or Peacock says we're never going to make our initial investments back, and then they start looking for merges and, and, and approaching it that way. And what we're going to end up with is probably two or three giant streaming services that control everything. Um, you know, someone might play this audio back in five years, and I might look foolish, but... That's my projection of what's coming up, coming down the line. It's just too fractured right now. It, it's unsustainable. Yeah, there's no way that you can subscribe to nine different you know things that 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 all. Especially when when now, like you're saying, because you know we're getting rid of the over the top stuff, and now it's just these conglomerates of 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 apps. But even then, of the conglomerates of the apps, is there's like seven of those conglomerates as well, and it's just like yeah, that, that's that's not just not it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable to be an HBO Max, a Disney Plus, an ESPN Plus, a Paramount Plus, a a Disney Plus or a, 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 a Discovery Plus, you're you're not gonna be a, a subscriber of all those things. It's just not gonna yeah, happen. So no, and and I think at some point down the line, you know, uh, there, you know, everything could eventually move to streaming. I just think we're further than people think. You know, I I, I do. I mean, and um, you know, because this is now we're now working on the second or maybe even third generation of people where we're saying. They don't watch TV anymore. Right. Cable is dying. Cable has been dying for 25 years now, I think. Well, we've heard that about Gen X people. We heard that about millennials. Now we're hearing it about Gen Z. And maybe finally, you know, maybe one of these generations is going to end up being true. And they don't watch TV anymore. Maybe that's going to end up being the case. Uh, Maybe the two, the four and the five-year-old in my house just, I mean, they don't watch TV now. They stream everything. And maybe they'll just never watch TV. They don't watch TV because the commercials confuse them. They don't understand. Like they cry. Like if they, if I put Nickelodeon on like the Nickelodeon channel, not the app, and the commercials come on, they they try to get the remote. And they fast think forward. yeah, they think that something happened or something went wrong or yeah, <laughs> it's not or right. They think or... they can skip it like on YouTube. Like they watch YouTube on their own, and when the the, the ad counter goes down, they know how to skip it. And they compulsively pick up the remote to skip commercials when they have the TV on. 
And I'm like, you can't do that. And then they cry. <laughs> but I want to. Yeah, I want to be in control. No, I don't want to watch a commercial. I'm like, it, you have to. This is what TV is. This is not the, the or they think it's the DVR. And they could, they hit the fast forward and it doesn't do anything. And they complain to me. And I'm like, no, you're watching TV. You can't, you can't fast forward. <laughs> right. You, know? you got to watch these ads and then you got to tell your dad that you want to buy this cereal that they're advertising to you. That's the way it goes. So come on. You know, yeah. So watch maybe the cereal like commercial that. and then run up and say, I want Frosted Flakes. And then, you know, we get to buy Frosted Flakes. Yeah, they have no concept. And a lot of the apps we have don't have, we don't, we don't have the commercial, don't have commercials on them at all. So that's all they know. So maybe that generation will be the one yeah. that, I mean, I'm sure there'll be one at some point, but we've been told this for three generations now. And then every time we look at streaming numbers, it's like an insignificant figure. I guess they're slightly more significant now, but you know, there's still not anything approaching what you would think. If you ask some common dope on Twitter, hey, what percentage of people that are 30 are streaming versus cable? They'd probably tell you some ridiculous number, like 70% or something. And it's not the case. You know, it it, it just isn't it just isn't the case. Now it's certainly the percentage certainly grows the younger you get. I'm not denying that. I'm not, I'm not a streaming denier. I'm just saying it's not where people think it, it is yet. And all of these uh, corporations are just, you know, they, they understand this is the long play. You know, but I think some of them might think it's coming a little sooner than they think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and UFC being in a really interesting case as well is that that, that you know them basically take, putting all of their major they, they obviously kept their major major stuff for pay per view, uh, which that pay per view has been dying for <laughs> forty years basically. Pay per view never it it it, it, it was never going to exist. It was never going to work. Then it worked for like five years, and then it was going to die. You, you know what I mean? Like nobody's ever liked pay per view, and though pay per view has been super lucrative to a lot of different people. Uh, but yeah, UFC being a very interesting case because a lot of the fights obviously going on on, on ESPN Plus. But uh, and and what what's really I think going to determine it? We'll see, you know, later on, and we'll we'll see how things go. But like, you know, I I I don't subscribe to ESPN Plus for the UFC. Like, I don't really give a shit about UFC, obviously. But but I, for everything I hear from anybody who watches stuff on ESPN Plus is that it's a disaster. It never fucking works. It's hard. You know, it logs you out all the time. It it doesn't play right. And especially during live UFC shows, when a bunch of people go on there, it just doesn't. The infrastructure is just not there. And I think that is always going to be to me the limiting factor that that that's. That's and, and we've talked about this before. Like, if it's up to me, I'd rather just sit on my damn couch, hit two buttons, and AEW Revolution pops up on my TV, and I'm I'm good. You know what I mean? I don't have to yeah. search around. I don't have to refresh. I don't have to reset my router. I don't have to put the quality down. I just sit on my fucking couch. It's HD. I pay fifty bucks, and it just starts. You you know what I mean? That's it. It's yeah. just like that. That and for me, that ease is always. I have the financial ability to, to, to you know to, to to just do that and just say fuck it. I don't care. I want the reliability, but um, that that's always going to be a limiting factor. I mean, I, I'm very very curious how Peacock handles uh you know this wave of people that are going to come in for for a WrestleMania. I mean, Peacock doesn't do live stuff, I and mean, Peacock is only built on like a kind of a, a on demand infrastructure where yeah, there's probably you know. 5,000 people watching this random episode of King of Queens one night, but what are you going to do when, you know, 500,000 people jump on and, and, and I'll start trying to watch WrestleMania at the same time? Like, can it handle that? I, I'd imagine they're ready for it, but, I mean, WWE Network wasn't ready for it. I, I, I'm covering it on the, you know, the arrival on, on, on patreon.com slash voice of wrestling is that during that initial NXT arrival show, the network was having tons of issues because they wasn't ready to have a bunch of people sign on all at once. And, and you know, it was a bad first impression for the network, so I don't know. I mean... If I have my choice, I'd rather watch something on TV. 
It's just easier. I, I don't I don't want to have to like if this NFL package goes to Amazon, I don't want to have to switch over my input to my Fire Stick and then load up the Amazon app and put. I mean, I know that sounds incredibly lazy and the most first world problem. <laughs> Goddamn right it is. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> but I just I I would much rather just press two oh six on my Direct TV remote and put on ESPN and sit there and watch the game. It's just it's less of a hassle. And, you know, cable and satellite is far more reliable than, 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 than the internet is. I mean, you know, we all have seen the buffering pinwheel a million times, you know, it's just, and, and like you're talking, you know, the, the issues I'm sure Peacock will have early on. So I think that's a big reason too. I mean, I could probably stream everything that I would need to see if I really wanted to. And wanted to spend the money it would be more expensive, by the way, which is another problem. With of course, yeah, and and don't think that your internet providers aren't aware that everyone's going to streaming and doing all that sort of stuff. Right. I mean, Xfinity already this year, uh, you know, my my service has already started a thing where they're capping everybody. You, you get X amount per month, and then after that, it's oh, no, we'll give you extra internet. Oh, you need a little bit more gigs? That's fine. It's you know five dollars now and six dollars. Where before, oh, do whatever you want all day, every day, stream, yeah, 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 do all that sort of stuff. Now it's all streamed to like. You know this level, and then we're going to charge you a little bit more once you go over that level. <laughs> you know, like don't think that the yeah. internet providers are just going to continue to give you uh, as much internet as you want. Like that's that's going to end pretty soon too. Yeah, but I mean, I'd much rather just turn on ESPN than go to the ESPN app to yeah. watch the college basketball game I want to watch. It's just, uh, it's more, and I'm in a position where I could afford it and all that. I mean, obviously, it's different if. You know, money is always going to be a factor and a different kind of factor for everybody. But, um, yeah, but, but yeah, I, I do think, um, I, I don't, I would anticipate problems on Peacock for WrestleMania. I mean, I, I fully expect it, you know, uh, and, and WWE Network has been pretty seamless since that first couple of months. Uh, I haven't had any problems with WWE Network. No. In like, five six years yeah really I, I remember being really nervous about wrestlemania that because obviously the arrival came and that was kind of an issue and then it was like all right time for wrestlemania and i remember being like oh boy this is not gonna go well uh and i remember yeah. being fine like i i had absolutely no issue yeah. with wrestlemania that and i don't think i've had much i mean there's little like ui issues that i have with the network and some different things oh I, yeah I, yeah a problem but yeah the live stream has almost always worked perfectly fine for me i've no, I, I can't recall the last live stream issue i had and i think a lot of people who have live stream issues they don't want to admit it, but it's their internet. Right. No one ever wants to admit it's their internet. <laughs> yeah, they always have perfect internet, and it's always the, the provider's fault, yeah. not them. Yeah, Yeah, but it's like I, I, I see people every WWE pay-per-view or takeover or whatever complaining about, ah, fucking WWE. And I'm like, it's working fine for me. It's got to be your internet, buddy, because I haven't had an issue in years. I really can't remember the last time I had a, a big issue with that. With that, you know, it's your internet speed, or you, you need to reset your fucking router. Or, look, I know when I want to watch something, you know, when it comes time for Wrestle Kingdom or WrestleMania or some kind of big event that I know I'm going to be streaming, the first thing I do is reset all my shit. Oh, it all goes down. Yeah. It all gets shut down and turned back on right before the show. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and make sure, you know, because I don't want to deal with it because I know I'm going to get aggravated if I have to do it once it already started. You know, so, um, you know, it's usually the, 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 the the user, not the machine, in a lot of these cases, um, or it's out of your hands, and you just you know sometimes fucking internet's not super reliable. No, and well, and, that, and that's another thing as well is that a lot of the people making these decisions live in you know areas that are have vast amounts of internet and, and really good, but like 
you know, a, a lot of people forget that, like, there's there's people out there in, in parts of, especially of this country, and America is not as far ahead in internet as you would think we would be compared to some other countries. Like, there's a lot of places in, the, in, in this country where the internet is not good and still not very good for, for, for streaming stuff, for having that sort of unlimited speeds and all that sort of, you know, we, we do not have the infrastructure for that. So, yeah, if all these networks are going to say, hey, fuck TV, we're going straight to streaming, like, you got to be aware that, yeah, there might be people in Nebraska that, you know, don't, and I'm just, I'm just throwing out a random state there. I have no idea about Nebraska's internet infrastructure, but having been in Nebraska, I could see it not being great. But, uh, you know, there, there, there are parts of this country that just do not get good internet speeds. And, yeah, it, it, it's... You know, do, are they ready for that? Are they ready for cutting those people completely out of the market if they just say, hey, fuck TV, go on your streaming service to do it? And I, I don't know. That That is, again, another big thing that I think a lot of people are going to have to, you know, realize that, you know, get out of San Francisco, get out of New York, get out of Chicago, get out of, you know, the big, the big cities and, 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 and go around and realize that the Internet is not, you know, the same that it is in, in those cities that it is in, 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 you know, rural parts of this country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and And then even when you have high speed internet sometimes it isn't always reliable and there's outages and you know this fucking uh, I pay for the highest quality internet I, I have and we had those 3 weeks in the middle of the yeah. fucking pandemic where I couldn't stream this thing for some reason no I, idea no idea why nobody the guy came and touched two buttons and all of a sudden now I'm good again but it's like what the fuck like what the hell happened yeah you know yeah costing me money god damn it got 10 dollars subscribers here that's right you jerks anyway well that was Joe and Rich talk about the media world <laughs> i don't know what we started talking about hockey how do we even start talking about hockey in the first oh you talked about uh, uh big old pat ewing getting the well you know speaking of which you know stefan mateau who you know i i realized i i got my story wrong it wasn't the stanley cup final the night of the prom it was actually worse it was the rangers and the devils in the eastern conference final oh, which... <laughs> oh well that oh you know what that's a war though that's pretty that those yeah. battle lines were drawn then yeah okay that's why i was even worse cuz you had all everyone in the school was either a ranger or a devil fan i mean they're you know islander fans don't exist unless you live on long island they're like the redheaded stepchild of the three so um and that was the matogo the stefan matogo cuz i i googled stefan mato and Apparently, his son is in the NHL now, Uh-oh. and was bo- and was born in 1994, the year Stefan Matteau scored the game-winning goal to put the Rangers into the Stanley Cup final. Which is just a real mind fuck because I had no idea that he had a kid that was already playing professional hockey. Um, so I guess that's my number. Now I, I've now named four hockey. There players, you go. Yes, I, the the son of uh, of um... Stefan Matteau. Is his name also Stefan Matteau? Yes. Okay, because I'm looking at this right now, and yeah, that's he's apparently born in Chicago. So there you go. Well, I guess Mateau played for the Blackhawks at some point. I guess. Right? Yeah, there you go. I don't. I hell if I know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's a Columbus Blue Jacket. It appears so good for him. The reality is, I named two. Players. <laughs> you named one, and I googled another by accident. I got I three on my own. I got three on my own, and I helped out with Connor McDavid too. I'm not, you know, you you only get half credit for the Connor McDavid because you said he was the saying, good I, guy on the Oilers. <laughs> I it, the reality is I was only able to name two right. because you named Connor McDavid, and I accidentally Googled the fourth guy trying to Google his father who played 25 years. Right, ago. and so so yeah, the actual the only two guys of current vintage or current uh, you were able to name are like two Hall of Fame level players that are now in the you know twilight of their career in Crosby and Ovechkin. So there you go. Well, how about Patrick Waugh? Uh, I don't believe Patrick Waugh is. But I think he's he's like the GM or something now these days. He's doing something. He's or maybe oh. he's a coach or something. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think James Vander. Uh, what was the what was the uh, Panthers goalie? 
Not James Van John Van Beesburg? Yeah, that's right. Not James Van Beesburg. John Van Beesburg. He was a Ranger, too. Oh, Van there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. That's right. Yeah. What about Grant Fuhr? Um, I don't really remember Grant Fuhr that much. He's probably like 60. He was <laughs> he was the Oilers goalie when Gretzky and Messier were there. Oh, so that's Jesus. like <laughs> Yeah. You're really taking it back. Um but th- this is like this is my era. Tom Barrasso. I could get, I could tell you all about Tom Barrasso or uh, Paul Coffey. Oh, I can actually now that I think about it, I got Paul Coffey. I got Steve Yeiserman. I, I I got you. I got you locked and loaded for ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. That era. So oh, fuck yeah, all Brian video Trottier. games. Hundred percent video games. But that that parlayed me into becoming a huge hockey fan at that time. I fucking loved hockey because of those games. Yeah, Pavel Bure. I already, me- I, I already mentioned Pavel Bure earlier. Oh, you did? Because okay, you mentioned well, the Vancouver okay. Canucks, and he was the only Canuck I could think of that, uh, at the time. Dominic Hasek. We're naming guys that are literally all 60 years old. <laughs> <I> <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Dominic Hasek, yeah. Uh, Grant Belfour. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Or Eddie Belfour, right? Ed Belfour. Grant Belfour. He was a pitcher. He was a bullpen bullpen guy. Yeah, I I remember when I discovered that there was a a, a pitcher whose last name was Balfour. (laughs) That was... Yeah. So we uh, we saw... I remember remember him vividly because we we discovered him uh, while I was playing MVP baseball in 2005. Still the greatest baseball game ever created. And... um, we we discovered a, uh, a sort of a, a thing in the game that you would want to do. So if you played the uh, the franchise mode, Jerry, you, you you played a little bit of MVP back in the day, right? Yeah. Okay. So did you ever do like the season mode or the the, the owner mode or whatever the hell it was? Uh, possibly. I don't. Really you may recall. you may have. Well, essentially, like you you start out at like a minor league ballpark with whatever team you had, and then you had to like you know get money every single year and then if you you if you were in the you know, if you were in the green then you could add to your ballpark and add different stands and you know then you could sell more tickets and then you could buy concession stands and all that sort of stuff so you may make more money if you you, you know make a few money you know, make some dollars those first few years and then you can upgrade the park and then you're, you're ready uh to get going here so uh, we discovered that uh it wasn't the worst idea to lose on purpose uh, to get you know an extra game seven of the World Series so you could sell that bad boy out yeah. um so we acquired Grant Balfour on our team and then all he would do is just walk everybody uh and so we'd play to the game and see you know if we lost we lost it's whatever but if we were in like the eighth inning and we're up like 12 to 1 or whatever we'd be like all right time for ball for it and he'd come in and he'd walk everybody and then they'd leave the game and it was 15 to 12 or whatever and we're like oh fuck way to go ball for his era was like <laughs> you know infinite and yeah it was rough times for grant so, ball for so little grant belfour uh anecdote yeah where else what other wrestling podcast will you hear pressing noah dragon gate John Laurinaitis and Grant Balfour in the same. You're not going to find it. You're just not going to find it. So. Uh, Martin Brodeur, right? Ah, Martin yeah, yeah, Brodeur. Yeah, yeah. Is he like a, the greatest goalie of all time? <laughs> Maybe. Devils, right? Sure. <laughs> not a big Martin Brodeur guy. <laughs> I don't think I am. Is he, is he considered the greatest goalie of all time? I mean, when the Devils won all those cups, he was the goalie, I think. Okay. I'm probably screwing his name up too. No, Martin Brodeur. I think you got it right. Yeah, I don't know. His, his or his Wah. His Patrick Wah considered the uh, the best. Well, didn't Patrick Wah invent like the butterfly stance? I think he did. I believe he did. Yeah. Right? Didn't he invent that? I w- maybe I know more about hockey than I. Think. I was going to say. I think you do. But, but unfortunately, all yeah, it's all. It ends in 1996. So that's... it's all from the same five year period. <laughs> right. Right. You know, nothing before, nothing after. You it's know, the only period that matters, anyway. So. Well, I mean, for so many years, there were like five teams. 
So, you know, the Canadians have all these titles. But... <laughs> yeah, 13 straight titles. <laughs> yeah, there's like five other teams in the league. You know what I mean? It's like playing wiffle ball in your neighborhood, and, you know, you're the best player. Yeah, that's what the Canadians were for all those years. Now we're just shitting on hockey, Yeah, now you're too. just shitting on the Montreal Canadiens, so I'm not, uh, not going to be a part of that. So. Yeah. What I do love about that is that despite only having like six teams, like the Blackhawks won like two Stanley like, I always, anytime I go to the United Center to watch like a Bulls game or whatever, I always look up there and I'm like, these motherfuckers, like there's like, like four teams in the league and these assholes yeah. won like two titles in like three decades. With, like, what are you doing? Yeah. The Maple Leafs have like 12 titles. The freaking Canadians have, you know, 15 and it's like the, the Blackhawks, eh, we got two. We got two. That's pretty cool. The Red Wings have like nine or 10 from that era and the fucking. Blackhawks. Yeah, playing, 1961, we won. <laughs> cool. Oh, thanks, guys. Playing playing on literal frozen ponds. Right. <laughs> wearing sweaters. Wearing actual sweaters. Yeah, wearing literal sweaters. Yeah. What a bizarre sport. It's very strange, yeah. Never never yeah. played it. That's that's another thing, too, where people are like, oh, do you like hockey? And I'm like, not really. I mean, like, it never played hockey ever. You, you know, I never went out no. to the ponds, Joe, and put on my skates. Like, just like, like you are in all types of weather. That's how I am in the winter. It's like, I'm not the second I have to sit in the cold and sit on a cold bench and take my shoe off to put a skate on. I'm done. I'm already done with this. I'm good. Gonna well, go forget, forget skating. I would never learn how to skate. <laughs> yeah, I have no interest. Ridiculous, yeah. But my neighborhood did go through a street hockey phase. Oh, yo, like, like 1993 to 1995 was probably a heavy street yeah. hockey uh, phase. Yeah, I did that as well. So Yeah, so you'd have – but the thing is, like, we owned a net, and there was some other kid in the neighborhood who owned a net. So if we both weren't home, you couldn't play street hockey because then one side wouldn't have a net. You see what I mean? Both mm-hmm. of the kids that owned the net had to be home. Otherwise, one team's not shooting at the net. The other team's shooting at – you got to set up like two rocks on the side of the curb. All right, that's your goal. But nobody wants to shoot at the at the curb with the rocks. You want to right. shoot at and the all net. it's going to cause is contested. There'll just be arguments plenty about no yes. that went in or yeah yeah the net you know is it in the back the of the net, net? You know. it went in like yeah a lot of arguments. Oh that would have hit the pipe. Like, how do <laughs> right. you know? What do you got laser eyes? You don't know. That's a goal. You know, so it just wouldn't work unless the two kids in the neighborhood who owned the net were home. Which always begs the question, why didn't someone just buy two nets? Well, you see, you can't talk your parents into buying no, two nets. No, God, no, no. Yeah. You're lucky you had one net. You know? We were lucky enough that we talked our parents into giving us one net. So the other kid, you know, uh, uh, you know, if Jeffrey Sorrentino wasn't home down the street with the other net, we're not playing a legal game. Someone's shooting at, at a, not a net. And then you had these wise asses that would try to play on their rollerblades. I was right? going to say, I are you a rollerblade guy or you're just, you're just out there with your shoes? You're just running around. No. Right? I'm a sneaker guy. Yeah, I was gonna I say sneak. you don't you don't strike me as a rollerblade guy at any point in the era of, of the life of Joe Lanza. I've never. I cannot imagine you sitting on a curb and putting your inline skates on so you could go play hockey. I, I don't. I uh, don't envision that. And nobody wants rollerblade guy on their team because he's a weakness. He doesn't have the same body control. He's he's uh you know he's skating all over the place. He's no good. You want guys that are playing in sneakers because they got better body control, and you can knock rollerblade guy on his ass. Like with minimal effort, so I don't know that. Yeah, we did have a street hockey phase for a while in our neighborhood, but never like on the ice. I mean, come on, I'm not, I'm not, I, I want nothing to do with ice in any yeah, way, it's, shape, it's or terrible. form. I, I did it a few times, and it's awful. And now the, the the town I live in now, they uh they will go and there's this this park, and they'll just like they'll fill half this park with ice, and like all 
winter there's just people playing hockey like there's a thousand people there playing hockey no matter what and i'm just like well, where do i live like why is, why does this occur in this town like where do i in fucking alberta canada like what the hell's going on here fucking saskatchewan or something like it felt like you go there like if i went there right obviously not right now it's it's been taken down but like if i go there at 7 30 on like a weekday the lights are on and there's like there, it, it, more people there than at a blackhawks game it's fucking ridiculous it's unbelievable yeah. <laughs> what's going on there and i have yeah. people that i know that play and they're like oh you should come play and i'm like i'm not gonna play hockey are you kidding yeah I, i'm already yeah. sore thinking about skating i already can feel my knee hurting and no i'm not putting skates on and going in the cold i'm gonna sit in my house and maybe I'll play NHL 95 if I think about it. So, No, skating sounds like an awful activity. Yeah, it's not I mean, fun. What it's am not I, fun. What am I, I know how to I, do it, and it's terrible. It's so stupid. What am I, what am I Brian Boitano? I'm not getting out there on the skates. <laughs> what do I look like? You know? Out there with Christy Yamaguchi? No thanks. I'm not, I'm not going to be doing any skating. Um, those are pretty two obscure figures. <laughs> no, I mean, I knew exactly. Down. Yeah, that, I yeah. mean, I'm of your uh, era, and those are two. Those are the heavy hitters of that era for sure. Yeah, Boitano, you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian Maguchi especially. I mean, that was you know everybody was was big on the Kerrigan and the Harding or whatever. I was always Christian Maguchi. That she was a amazing skater back in the day. I think I, I used to want the banger. Probably right? that's probably where it begins my uh, <laughs> my love affair of, of a certain type of women. But uh, yeah, yeah, she was, she was she was a babe. I don't remember what she looked like, so I don't know. I just eh, know the name. She was a little toothy, but that's all right. You know, a little toothy. <laughs> if you look at her, you'll see. <laughs> I thought Nancy Kerrigan was toothy. Ah, <laughs> uh, Chris right? Yamaguchi's got a toothy too. Kerrigan's got those big teeth that look like chiclets. All right, look up Chris Yamaguchi. I'm telling you, I mean, it's fine. Let I don't really look. care. It's just you know, just it, just pointing it out. Let me look up Yamaguchi. Like Christy Yamaguchi, she's a bronze medalist, I think. I don't think she won. Ah, oh, she's not that toothy. Come on. She, I, I said I'm fine with it. I'm said I don't care. I'm just you know. I don't think she won the gold, right? Didn't she? Uh... <laughs> you know, I'll be honest, my. Uh... My my knowledge of gold medal figure skaters is, is oh is, she's very toothy she's very see toothy, I told right? you but yeah. it's fine I mean I don't care but yeah, it is it's pretty bad um, no she did win the gold in fucking Albertville <laughs> you want to try a year on that one I bet you don't know Albertville know. okay so eighty eight was Lilyhammer right no no when was, was the Calgary oh man. 92, I wouldn't get it if I wasn't looking Fuck, at it. I have no... 92, Albertville was 92. 1992, okay. All right, well, Yeah, she, she apparently uh, won the gold. Oh, there you so, go. So, there you go. And, and the ladies single. Um, it was, uh, let's see, Yamaguchi, Midori Ito of Japan, and Kerrigan won the uh, bronze. That was the time... Do you have any hot takes on Ito, on that Ito, or... Uh... I never, I don't remember. Yeah. Let me pull her up. Is she an uh, idol? Is she an anti-idol as well? <laughs> so, uh, I'm not into it. Um, yeah, we should have known that because that's the that's the Kerrigan Harding year. Well, maybe it's not. No, it's not. Were, see, it's not. They they, they I, were so there I, twice. Yeah, there was a weird year. I think they were 1994 for some reason. Why there was another Olympic game in 1994? I, can tell you I have why. no idea. Please it, tell me. I'm going to tell you why. Because it used to be every four years would be the Winter and Summer Olympics. Then they changed it to alternating. So. Every two years was an Olympic game, but every four years was still winter and summer. So, so one of them had to go on a, on uh, one of them had to go on two years just to get that. Okay, I'm not explaining. No, I, I I get so, it. I understand what you're saying, but yeah, maybe explain it a little bit better. In '92, they decided we're still going to do the Olympics every four years, but we're going to alternate winter and summer. Okay, instead of doing winter and summer in the same year every year, so they did a winter games two years later. 
to 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 get that on schedule. So then the summer games were still four years apart, but you had those two winter games that were only two years apart. Got it. Okay, because yeah, I, I know vividly that ninety four is Lilyhammer. So yeah, so ninety two and ninety four both. So ninety four was um, that was the that that I believe was the Harding. Now I have to know. <laughs> I think that was the Harding because I think they went to they went to two because Harding finished like. Uh, she finished fourth in '92, but I remember her in the in the Olympics with the uh, with the knee bashing incident. Didn't she finish like eighth or something? Something she did like terrible. that. Yeah, she did not do well. But yeah, that that's '94 for sure. Is that? Is '94? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Remember Jeff Galuli, the uh, husband? Of course, I remember Jeff Galuli. How can you forget Jeff Galuli? <laughs> She's an incredible, incredible character in uh in in history. What a, what a what a saga that entire thing was. Unbelievable. '94. No, what a great year '94 was. There was so much. Stuff you got OJ, you got. I mean, none of it was good. I mean, a lot of it was bad, but God, it was an exciting year for uh, weird controversies. Yeah, she finished eighth in '94. Yeah, I even she nailed stunk. the place. So did it. The Galuli did it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Galuli attacked Kerrigan. No, I know. I'm saying he did it. He, he didn't allow Kerrigan to. Or did she still win the gold then that year? No, I think Kerrigan won the silver in '94, and. um Hold on, let me pull that up. Ninety four, um, ninety four. That'd be a better way to. <laughs> I unfortunately am not right a better now. resource for uh, for telling you about figure uh... skating. Let's see what we get here. Uh, I can't believe they did the Olympics on the same year. That that that's a lot. I like I like it this way. I see. I always grew up thinking it was this way that it was split up. They, I can't believe they did it in the same year. That's a little bit of that's Olympic burnout for sure. That's too much. That's too much Olympics. Why is the men's co- who cares about who- men's figure skating ever? Yeah, get out of here. But this is what I'm getting here. Okay, ladies. Yeah, who's this ever looked up men's figure skating gold medal? Nobody gives two shit. Of but. course it was a, a Oksana Bayul. Oh yes. Bayul. Oh yeah. That's another great figure in that entire thing. Is yeah, her yeah. just kind of staring these American trash bags down. You know what I mean? Just and Toothy Kerrigan won the silver, and and Chen Lu. I don't remember her. I don't, she I don't won the bronze. Either, yeah. uh, you know who finished seventh? Katarina Vit. Oh, you know yeah, yeah. We've we've had a discussion about Katarina Vit on this, on this show. Somehow we've she talked, we've talked about way more women's figure skating than you, you probably would have thought if, you know, you just jumped onto the show. I feel like we've had this conversation. I, it doesn't feel like a conversation <laughs> that way. Now the men. Oh, okay. I don't know the gold medal winner, but I, I, I know the silver medal winner that you're Elvis Stoiko of Canada. <laughs> I don't I know anything him. about Elvis Stoiko. <laughs> I remember Elvis Stoiko. Yeah, for sure. Kurt Browning finished fifth. I know him too. And and aforementioned Brian Boitano, sixth place. There you go. Top American finish for Boitano, who was my reference. My go-to reference was the sixth place finisher <laughs> in, the, uh, in the 94 Olympics. Well, he was able to parlay that into a pretty uh, good career of, you know, like skate dancing, right? Because that, that's where I remember him from, I think, is... is... There's no male skate dancing. That's the, the ladies do the ice dancing. No, but he, the... he, no, he would... I, if I remember correctly, he would he would parlay... His skating into like I I remember seeing him on TV doing some dumb oh like shit. he became an entertaining he, uh, an that's what I mean yeah like he would do competitive guy. whatever yeah. yeah I don't no 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 he wasn't dancing like in in in, in competition but I remember yeah insert right. musical here he's doing fucking cats on ice and bullshit like that you know what I mean I I, yeah. I I think I think I remember him on that but 
He might be. Is he a broadcaster too, or maybe not? I don't know. That I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I, I watch zero uh, figure skating these days. So, that's, <laughs> but this what I say. When TV, you know, when TV was great, everybody watched the same shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. We all just yeah. fucking watch women's figure skating because that's what was on. Yeah, we watched that's Elvis what, Stoico go yeah, for the gold. That's what my parents yeah. were watching, and that's what I watched because that's what was on the TV. And yeah. We all just watched the same thing. Now, no, everybody watches their own different shit, and it sucks. It was way better when we all just watched the same stuff. So. Stoiko for the second in 88, too. There you go. Nice. Man, that was uh, Michelle Kwan finished second. Ah, Michelle Kwan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tara Lipinski took home the gold day. I remember all these names now. Hey, that Chen Lu won the bronze that year, too. Two-time bronze winner Chen Lu of China. It's not bad. I wonder what she's up to these days, Chen Lu. I don't really care, honestly. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, I um, can look it up if you want, but I don't really... Uh... She's got a nice little portrait there, Chen Lu. Probably what are we doing? doing? Some, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I have, I, I have no clue what we've done here on the show. Yeah, because we don't have any topics. We're just this is you, when we're a little low on topics. Yeah, you you end up doing this, but uh, we do we do have some stuff to get to. Let, let, we'll start off with this uh, one right here. Uh, AW Revolution. Obviously, we uh, covered it match by match on the uh, instant reaction on this uh, ten dollars tier. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Uh, AW Revolution instant reaction. Uh, there, that is where we'll do. Immediately following the show, we did match by match, gave our ratings, did all that sort of stuff, covered it in detail. We're not going to do that here. We mentioned it. We're not going to go through match by match. We're just not going to. We don't want to. We did it on $10. We did it on Sunday. Go listen to that. But uh, I did want to ask you, Joe, now that we're a few days away, we've had a dynamite. We've had a few days to kind of you know, process everything. The big question coming out of that instant reaction, the big question coming out of Revolution was, how does AEW handle the dud fireworks? After the main event, after the, the, the barbed wire death, exploding death match, Eddie Kingston covers up John Moxie. It's a great heartfelt story. The, 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 the countdown is going five, four, three. People are, are, are all over the place jumping back to watch in front of their TV to see Eddie Kingston just get blown to smithereens as, as he's covering off his friend John Moxley. And then, as you said, four Fourth of July sparklers go off, two little pop rockets go off on the outside, and then that's it. And it's just like, oh boy. So we, uh, as we were doing the instant reaction, they were kind of fielding questions on the uh, the, the 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 post show. I know Tony Khan was talking about stuff. We were we were wondering what they were going to do, what kind of the official word was going to be out of the company, and how they're going to handle it. Uh, what do you think of how they have handled it so far? Because they've kind of stuck with what um, what Tony Khan was saying on the, the the post show when he did his like post media scrum or whatever. Which obviously we we're doing the instant reaction. We can't be a part of that. But uh, the scrum he basically said, oh well, Kenny Omega built a dud. Of, of of you know a ring or of an explosion or whatever and that's what the problem was so you have eddie kingston and john moxie saying oh yeah it was a dud uh kenny omega doing kind of what i said where he's like ah, i was a dud but i got you guys all worried and yada 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 all that sort of stuff so that's the official company line is that kenny omega who built this thing built a dud what do you make of that line of thinking what do you what do you think about how AEW's kind of handled this uh this dud so far i mean it's always going to be one of those wrestling moments that everybody mocks and laughs and dunks on and and roasts, but they're doing the best they can. They're basically doing what we suggested that they should do. Put the heat on the heel, you know, and, 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 and put the heat on Kenny Omega and uh, Moxley and Kingston. I thought they had a really good pre-tape promo on dynamite. You know, and Kingston explained that he had flashbacks to being in the hood and it gave him anxiety and, and uh, you know, and then they argued over whether, you know, Kenny Omega is this Joker-like genius who did this on purpose just to throw a scare into him, and they kind of had conflicting opinions on that. And then they blamed Impact Wrestling for building a shoddy bomb. So, I mean, they're, they're, this 
this was a better course of action than trying to pretend that the explosion was good or effective. So, you know, they had to pivot in some way. And this was, they're making the best of it, but there was no way to completely fix it. You weren't going to completely uh, get out of this, so to speak. But I think they're, they're, they're doing the best they can, and they're doing it in, in the best way possible. I, I really did enjoy and, – and bigger picture, I really like Kingston and Moxley together as a unit. I think that has a lot of upside and a lot of potential. Yeah. I, I would agree. Yeah, it's what did you make of? Because I saw some people being critical of uh, of Tony Khan going in that media scrum, which has usually been Tony Khan not in character. Tony Khan as like you know sort of the EVP, you know, or the the president or whatever the hell you know his exact title would be. It's more Tony Khan the human being talking about AEW to media people, and he didn't really kind of undermine it with character work or anything like that. Usually, whereas this time on the media scrum, he he kind of alludes to, well, I think Kenny built a dud. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know that sort of. Did, did you have any issue with that of of him kind of blurring those lines? Well, I don't blame him. I blame the, the, the media people on the call. Okay. I don't mind him laying out the kayfabe. That's fine. I think he has to do that. But one of those reporters has to get on the call and say, okay, Tony, thank you so much for explaining the kayfabe, but please tell us what went wrong. Yeah, right, what right. Well, wrong, was but... this the plan? Did you guys know that it was going to look like this? What went right? Yeah, what went wrong? Yeah, okay. Kenny built a dud, but no, seriously, what went wrong? You know, why did this and happen? Then, yeah. And then if he keeps, and then if he gives you the same Kenny Omega doesn't know how to build the bomb thing, now I'm putting it on Tony Khan. Sure. Now he's evading the question because they have established that these media scrums are non-kayfabe. They'll work a little kayfabe in where they need to if they want to advance a story or try to do a non-answer. But for the most part, they have established that these media scrums, especially his, are non-kayfabe. So it's not fair of him to dodge this one when the heat is on and it's, you know, and 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 it's it's not all people throwing roses. It's not a situation where your your show went well, which is usually the case. You can't let him off the hook uh, by allowing him to dodge this simply with kayfabe. Somebody should have followed up and said, no, really, what went wrong? Yeah, right, right. Did you, you know, what what went different here than when you rehearsed it? You know, why didn't this, you know, and, and that that needed to be asked, but it was never asked. You know, it's just every time someone comes on one of these, well, I shouldn't say everybody, but most a lot of the people that come on these things, when their name is called, you know, the first thing they're doing is throwing roses at his feet. Oh, Tony, great pay-per-view. Oh, I really love the pay-per-view. I can't believe how great the pay per What are you doing? That doesn't even need to be said. That has nothing to do with anything. You know, ask some questions. You know, ask, ask some real questions with some meat on the bone. Don't sit here and tell them how great the pay-per-view was, especially since it wasn't great. I haven't seen any positive reviews for this pay-per-view. It seems like the only people who like this pay-per-view were the eight people who asked him questions in the post uh, media <laughs> right, right, yeah, most others have, have kind of been on our... Yeah, I, mean, we, I don't think we thought it sucked, but we definitely thought it was the lower end of, uh, of AEW pay-per-views. And, and, and yeah, that's every, everything that I've read is, is pretty much... Yeah, ranges from, ah, that was kind of disappointing, that kind of sucked, to, yeah, it was okay, but not, not great. Yeah, very few people overwhelmingly thought it was a good pay-per-view because I, I just don't know how you could. I, I really don't, especially given what AEW's produced in, 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 in both you know pre-COVID and during COVID as well. They've had far better pay-per-views, and I, I cannot take you seriously if you think this is one of their better pay-per-views. It just, no, it just it was is, not. It, it just was not. It is a guy who owns two pro sports franchises and two of the biggest sports in the world. He's a big boy. You yeah, can he hit can him take with it. Yeah, he can take it. Yeah. He, okay. And- 
He's a big boy. You, you know, he, he's kayfabing everybody, and people are just letting him get away with it. He used the same kayfabe answer on three or four different people. Someone had to have the guts to say, thanks for explaining the kayfabe, but now tell us what really went wrong or whether or not this really did go wrong. Tony, thanks for explaining the kayfabe. Are you telling us that this was the plan? Put him on the spot. Mm-hmm. Ask him the question. Are you telling us that this was really the intent? Make him answer it. Make him a little uncomfortable. He can take it. He's a billionaire. He owns two pro sports teams. You could put his feet to the fire a little. And my issue is that nobody did that. They all asked the same question in a different way and got the same kayfabe answer and didn't follow up. You know, so I don't – how can I put that on him? They let him off the hook. You know what I mean? If, if someone would have asked the proper question and he kept dodging it with kayfabe, now I'm singing a very different tune on this show right now. I'm saying, well, he did a bad job. He's got to answer the question because you can't be Mr. I'm going to do non-kayfabe media scrums and then hide behind kayfabe when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. But they didn't even give him a chance to do that. Yeah, if, so if you're I, allowed I, to, then yeah, the then 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 yeah. If, if if nobody kind of puts your foot to the fire, then you are kind of allowed to do that, even though it yeah it sucks. We it shouldn't be the case. I, I can accept that the kayfabe and the reality are two different answers. I that's because I understand pro wrestling. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But they never forced or even attempted to squeeze the real answer out of them. They're too busy telling them how great the pay per view was, which no one cares about or has time for. You know, um, I listen to these scrums after we're done with our instant reaction because I'm looking to get a little something out of it for what we do. And you're wasting my time when you come on these things and you're just, ah, oh, what a great pay-per-view. Why? Skip that part. Get to the question. You know what I mean? It's just a total waste of time and uh, and, and really just unnecessary. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't blame him for those answers. I blame him not getting the proper questions. Right, but I, I, the wrestler responses, I think, have been pretty good, uh, I, I think, from Kenny and, and what he did, and then making light of it as well, not them running from it or them kind of pretending that it was a... Like you said, the the, the key afterwards, and, and I think you and I both were in agreement on that night, the key was you cannot go on Dynamite and say that's exactly what we wanted to happen and what an explosion, what a moment, and all that sort of stuff. Yes, yeah. in the night, it made the announcers and it made Eddie Kingston look like goofballs. Eddie was able to cover it up the announcers, whatever. Like, we will forget about this pretty soon. I mean, we'll forget about the actual ramifications of it, I think, pretty soon. We won't forget about the moment. You know, that that is a WrestleCraft moment forever now. <laughs> that thing will always be that that meme, that gif, that video, whatever, will always be passed around. That will become an iconic moment. But all it really took, I I, I think, and, 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 and credit to the wrestlers as well, was, was owning it and saying, okay, we have to have a clear idea of what we're going to do moving forward and have Eddie own it, have Mox own it, have Omega own it, and whatever way they're going to own it, we just all have to be on the same page. And they were pretty much from that scrum on. And so I give them credit to try to make the most – of the situation and not try to cover it up or, you know, edit it and say, Oh, here, you know, no, no, look at the video. And then you add, you know, 10 more explosions and, and a bunch of smoke. They just kind of said, Hey, it fucking sucked, but here's why it fucking sucked. You know, it yeah, fucking sucks like on purpose, you know, is, is the, the, the kayfabe reason, but yeah, you, yeah, you're right. There needs to be a little bit more from, 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 you know, inside the company of, of why that happened. It's like we said on the instant reaction, they had three days to figure out how to worm their way out of it. And, and I think they did, you know, uh, they did so as effectively as, as they can. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, it fucking, it was terrible. There's no, you know, you can't, there's no way around it. The problem is the announcers and Kingston were put in a bad spot because, okay, if it had just been the sparklers, I think at that point, Jim Ross and Excalibur could look at each other and say, we can't put this over. <laughs> right. Let's, let's, let's agree to say that something got fucked just, up. We just got to bury it. But the problem was, 
it wasn't completely toothless, but it also sucked. So what do you do? You're in a tricky spot. You've got another minute on the air, and you have to just – I mean, I, I, can't, I can't be mad at the announcers. I can't be mad at Kingston. They were in a real tricky spot, you know, because it wasn't like it was – there were explosions. They just weren't great explosions. And it's like – and you also don't know how it's coming across to the viewer. You're in the building. Right. There was some smoke but not enough smoke. Like it was all – they all had the building blocks there. But uh, did you see that one? Uh, there's a there's a video out there of some guy in the upper deck of, of Daly's Place that shows the ring. Did you Have you seen that one yet? There were a couple different pictures and videos where it looks great. It looks not bad. Yeah, th- this one that I saw was like, okay. I wouldn't call it great. Like, it's not, you know, it's not Onita. It's not, you know, the, it's not that level. But it's not bad. Like, the ring gets covered with smoke. Uh, the, the noise is pretty loud. And you say, oh, okay, there we go. Like, that's kind of how it's supposed to look. And then you see another view, and it's like, oh, no, that looks like utter garbage. Like, it looks yeah. like literally the hard cam was, like, the worst view possible. Like, the absolute worst view possible. So maybe from that standpoint, they should have tried to figure out, hey, let's shoot it from above so the smoke kind of rises into the camera and kind of clothes up the ring. Because what we saw was, yeah, Eddie 45 feet away from the nearest, you know, sparkler or whatever. It just looked ridiculous. But, um, yeah, there were there was some shots that I saw where I'm like, oh, okay, that's actually not that bad. So if you, test it, if you were up in the upper deck when you tested it, you might think, oh, that looks pretty good. And then, yeah, when you shoot it with a hard cam, it looks absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, it's obviously just came across terrible. But um, I think they did a fair job on Dynamite with their explanation. And now you just you keep moving forward with that story. And then they had Callus and Omega follow up too when they did their promo in the ring. Kind of like not admitting that they made a shitty bomb on purpose, but leaving it ambiguous. You know, and, and kind of hinting that they may have done that on purpose it's right right and, that, and that's that's exactly what i said they should do too and so i'm glad they did that is i would have kenny be like ah did i make it on purpose or are you guys right. just you know yeah did i have you guys doing mind games yada 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 you thought it and that that's a perfect way to do it so every nobody looks like a dork i mean eddie kind of looks like a dork but i think he was able to provide enough reason uh, on, on this week's dynamite to kind of get him back and it's fucking eddie kingston like all he has to do is come in the ring and cut two more promos and you're not going to remember that he was in the ring looking like a dork because He's fucking Eddie Kingston. You know what I mean? Like he's he's great at promos. So those guys, I think, will be okay. It's just the the real question moving forward is, you know, for AEW's purposes, you know, do, this was a show where they definitely overpromised and underdelivered on on a few different things, and 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 you know, how often can you do that and and, and get away with it? I guess is the the big question. Well, I thought Bix, I thought David Bix's band made a great point on Twitter where he said Eddie Kingston is the perfect kind of character where you can get away with claiming he had anxiety an anxiety attack. Right, right. Because he's a tough guy, but he's also a guy where you know he wears his heart on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. So it comes off like a credible promo. Bruiser Brody can't come out there and say, oh, I had an anxiety attack. <laughs> right. Ah, <laughs> the noises you know, were loud. Yeah. That's... It, it doesn't work for certain, you know, that's not going to, you know, New Jack can't give that, can't, can't pull that off and say, oh, I had an anxiety attack. No, because it, it kind of goes against their aura. It fits with Eddie Kingston. He's someone where you'd say, okay, that's he's the kind of guy who would admit to an anxiety attack, and it doesn't take away any of his tough guy. Right, uh, right, shine. right, right. No, that, that's a great point because, yeah, Eddie, some of Eddie's best promos start out with full of bravado. I'm going to kick your ass, you fucking pussy, yada, yada, yada. And then with him, you know, in tears, crying about, you yes. know, like so, yeah, he's the perfect guy to do that because deep down, you know, that he is. You know, he 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 gives the, the the facade that he's the most tough dude in the world or whatever. But deep down, you know that yeah, he's a very emotional guy and a very you know kind of complicated guy. So yeah, great point by Vix yeah. there. That's that's perfect. Yeah. 
So that's why, in in a sense, they were lucky it was Kingston and not maybe someone else on the rot, like Pentagon Jr. or somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it might yeah, be a right. little harder to pull that off. You know what I mean? But um, so yeah, I, I thought they wiggled out of it just fine, um, or the best that they could. You know, it's still going to hang over their heads. It's still going to be. And here's the the further you get away from it, the more you can laugh at it yourselves. Right. Like it, it doesn't have to be this thing. Like AEW can make it the butt of jokes. They can't do that yet. But the further they move away from it, you know, years from now, that could be something that they play on a on a you know a blooper reel or something, you know, and then it could be something you laugh at. You just got to get through these first few weeks, and then the further you move away from it, you don't really have to worry about it anymore. All right, so let's uh, look at some other topics here. We're going to uh, go to Japan. We're not going to bounce around Japan. We're going to do a lot of discussions about Japan, pressing Noah. Uh, Dragon Gate, New Japan for Wrestling, a little bit about WWE as well, WrestleMania tickets on sale, NXT running two nights uh, during WrestleMania weekend, and also just a quick check-in on what's going on with uh, Mania weekend, and we'll probably get some people mad. Maybe we won't get people mad on this show, but uh, soon, coming very soon, I'm sure we'll get people mad at us. Uh, also, John Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace, uh, back in the full, but before we do all that, uh, I do want to let you know this episode of the Voices Wrestling flagship podcast is sponsored by our friends at Upstart. And you know that credit card, the one that you're afraid to look at and see what the balance is, if you've been avoiding your debt. It's time, finally, to confront it, and Upstart can help you face it and finally pay it off. Last year showed us that you never know what life is going to throw at you. And if you use credit cards to pay for unexpected expenses, it can be overwhelming now to manage all that debt, but you can finally take control with Upstart so you know exactly what to expect. Uh, Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over a half a million people have used Upstart to get simple, fixed monthly payments. Upstart finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. You do a five-minute online rate check, and you can see your rate upfront for loans from $1,000 to $50,000. You can get approved the same day and receive funds as fast as one business day as well. If debt is taking over your life, it is finally time to start and get a fresh start with Upstart. So uh, find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash VOW. That's upstart.com slash VOW. Don't forget to use that URL, upstart.com slash VOW, so they know that we sent you there. Once again, that's upstart.com slash VOW. And we do not have to note here that loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain information provided in your loan application. So upstart.com slash VOW. All right. Uh, What do you think of the the new heel unit? I like it. It's interesting. I I, I like it a lot. Um, I I like, I'm a a stable guy. I like stables, especially in American wrestling. I think they they, they do it pretty well. As long as they don't get a little too long in the tooth. Like that has always been my issue uh, with American stables. Like, you know, don't, don't just hang around in the same group for, you know, seven years or whatever. But uh, no, I I like it a lot. I'm pretty, I'm I'm definitely interested in it. I think it's got a nice hierarchy. I like the talent in there. And uh, I mean, you already have the, the 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 next stories as well with MJF and Wardlow potentially breaking up and, and and that sort of stuff. So no, I'm into it, and I think it's time for the Inner Circle to turn uh, babyface as well. So I, I I love that segment. That was a really really cool segment at the end of Dynamite. Yeah, I mean, I knew at this stage of the game that Jericho at some point had to be a babyface. I mean, I think you know we called that, and most people called that. Not like we're we have magic eight balls here, but. Um, when MJF joined in our circle, it's like, oh, okay, so Jericho is going to go face, which he really needs to be at this point of his career. They sing along to his song when he comes out. Nobody wants to boo him. They kind of just, they're polite and they play along with the show when they boo Chris Jericho. They want to cheer him. So um, 
you know, but I never even thought about turning Santana and Ortiz face along with, with, but that makes perfect sense too. And Sammy already turned, you know, many weeks ago when he quit because of MJF. Jake, um, Hager's the only one that I'm not quite sure. I, I honestly, I would just stop calling him. <laughs> just, just say, hey, you don't have to show up anymore, pal. If you don't want to, so. Yeah. I mean, I guess he just had to turn with the rest of the team, Yeah, but um, you know, he's not really a significant guy. He wrestles like once every two months and it's like, He's just there. He, they don't even let him cut promos. Part of his character is he doesn't talk. He just sits there with um, a goofy-looking face. And just... Yeah, so, but yeah, you know, inner circle going babyface is the right move. People want to cheer them anyway. And, um, you know, it, it, it freshens up your top heel unit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, with MJF clearly, look, because MJF's going to be the lead heel in this promotion for the next 15 years. So, you may as well get that rolling now. And it's just a group of of totally unlikable people. FTR have been, have been great heels. Tully, uh, Sean Spears, nobody wants to root for him. And, uh, you know, the Wardlow. And eventually they'll do the Wardlow MJF thing at some point. Um, I'm glad they haven't yet. I don't think it's time for it. So, yeah, I think this really freshens things up a lot on, uh, on both sides. Because you're not just, you don't just have a fresh heel unit on top, but you've got all these fresh baby faces now too with the inner circle guys. Um, that you can really uh, do something different with as well. So Sammy Guevara feels like a bigger deal now. You can really turn it up with uh, Proud and Powerful. I'm excited for them. I, I'm really yeah. excited for them because I think they, they, they're they a team that always, like if I ever was booking them, I'd bring them in as heels and then always get them over and then turn them face and then just go go with them as faces for like the rest of the time because they seem to just kind of work well as heels initially, but then they're, they're so good and so fun that eventually you're going to have to turn them face. And yeah, I think it's it, it, the time is right for them. So I'm really, really excited to see what they can do. Cause that's a whole lot of new fresh matchups for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I love it. I, I I love stables. I, you know, for old school wrestling stables are just the best, you, you know, and, and the key though is, you know, and it's one of the criticisms I have about new Japan is that people get in these stables and then they're just in fucking chaos for 15 years. And it's just like, all right, we got to move. We got, we got to adjust things here a little bit. And, and America sometimes, you know, with the NWO obviously, or, or 15 different iterations of the NWO or whatever, that's where it, it can really fail, but it can do, it can be so powerful when it's done. Like, you know, evolution in, in, in WWE, which just perfect you know it just it was done for a couple years got you know two guys over way more than they would ever have gotten over like it when done well a, a good wrestling stable is just on un, untapped and the four horsemen obviously uh of the past vintage and there's there's many many others as well that really stood out but uh yeah i'm excited about this and it seems that AEW realizes the power of of of, of, of stables so um i'm in I, I like it a lot so all right, let's. Uh, we're talking about New Japan. We'll uh, get to the uh, New Japan Cup here. So you and I have both watched most of the first round. I think you've probably. I think you said you've seen every match in the first round of the New Japan Cup, right? All sixteen matchups of the first round. I've seen. I sh- I want to say about fourteen of the sixteen. There's maybe one or two that I'm looking at as I'm scrolling uh, that I haven't seen. But uh, overall, what have you thought of the uh, the first round of the uh, New Japan Cup? I didn't see Thursday show. Um, so I've seen fourteen matches. I I think it's been good. There's only out of the 14 matches I've seen, maybe two or three that I would say are full on skip territory. And a lot of them have been flat out great. I don't know where we left off last week. What did we leave off with last week? I don't know that we did. We watch any of it at that point last week. I, we didn't yeah, talk we about did. New Japan we last week, about. but did we talk New Japan last week at all? We talked about some of these New Japan Cup matches. I know we did. 
Let's hmm. let well let's let's start with uh, uh did we talk about well night one was Goto and Taichi and Yano and Fale. I'll be I honest, I don't think I watched that. any of them uh last week. Did we talk about Shingo and Okada? We did not because I just I uh, just watched that a few days ago. So I know for a fact we didn't. So Alright, well then we can talk about the whole fucking thing then. Um I mean Shingo and Okada so far I think is has been the best match. Um no we did. We talked about Okan and Naito. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So I did I did okay, so I had seen a few then. That's right. I forget that that's even in I <laughs> yes, of course. So I've seen that one. We talked about the first set of matches that were on the um on the big show. We didn't talk about any of the New Japan Cup shows. That's where we left. Oh, them. we were yes. Yeah, so, okay, so they had the two New Japan or the two or three New Japan Cup matches on the night 0 or whatever. It was the last night of that one tour. And then they officially yeah. kicked off. So we we hadn't seen any of the official shows. So yeah, that, that's correct. So we, we the anniversary show. We talked right, about exactly. the right, anniversary right, right. show. So I mean, I guess we can um just go through some of the rest quickly. I thought um Goto and Taichi had a really good match. I went four and a quarter on that. Um Yano and Fale obviously was exactly what I didn't I did not watch that, believe it or not. So. You'd think it would be. So um but the next night, which was night two was really good because that was Minoru Suzuki and Hanma. That ruled. I love that match. That was really good. And I think it helps that Hanma, when he wrestles a guy where he doesn't have to bump a lot, because Suzuki's just going to slap him around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he can do that. You know he, does, yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't have to take big bumps to just kind of get slapped and yelled at by, by Suzuki. So, Yeah, and I thought Kenta and Juice was really good, too. Um, I know people don't seem to be as high on that one of the three on that night, but I went four flat on the Suzuki match, the Kenta match, and then, of course, Shingo and Okada, which um, I went four and a quarter on that, and I, I feel like I'm the low you man. You are the low I mean, man I, for sure. Yeah, I went four and a half. I think that's my favorite non-Wrestle Kingdom uh, New Japan match this year. I mean, I, I, I thought it was tremendous, and I, I am so glad now, Joe, that we have reached the stage where Okada has, has now, now learned from the master himself, Hiroshi Tanahashi, on how to say, yeah, my back, I got two slip discs. I, my back, yeah, I'm I'm shot. It's just, yeah, it's gonna be tough. I'm gonna be in pain forever, but you know what? Hey, I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna wrestle anyway. Then he comes out, and Kevin Kelly screams about Okada's back, and how is he gonna be able to do this? Oh, he was wearing tape yesterday, but he's not wearing tape today because he doesn't want Shigo Takagi to know about his bad back. And then what happens for the next 24 minutes is Shigo Takagi kicks his back, back breaks him, takes him off the top rope, da da da, all this sort of stuff, and everybody goes, "Oh my God, what a gutsy effort by Okada." to work with a bad back. And then people get all upset online and say, oh, these wrestlers shouldn't work with injuries and all that sort of stuff. And he's gutting it out, and he really shouldn't. He should take time off. And, man, what a miraculous effort this was to work this hard despite having an injured back. And it's just, I just laugh every time at it. So we're doing it again, so I'm glad. Great. Okay, cool. Herniated discs. And now we have matches where a guy just kicks him in the back the entire time. So, all right. That's fine. So are you doubting he has herniated discs? Yes, yes, yes. That's a hot take. I'm sure he's hurt because all wrestlers are hurt. Everybody's got something. Yeah. yeah. But see, no, I don't it, buy. I mean, every time it's hook, line and fucking sinker, man. We did this for five years with with, with Tanahashi. We had we had one guy. Remember when when evil was was faking an injury and we had a guy in New Japan that was just like, guys, just to let you know, like, it's not at all oh, like yeah, he's hurt, yeah. but it's not yeah. what we're saying. He's hurt by like yeah, just because because yeah. people are going nuts about, oh, man, evil. He might need, he might never be able to wrestle again. And because they they were saying he had like a broken neck or something like that. Or it whatever. was. No, I remember what it was. It was um, 
they, the company was publicly saying that Evil had a broken back or something, but in reality, it was a jaw injury. <laughs> right. So then, like people but were they, people were going out of their way to say, "Oh, this New Japan is irresponsible for putting him in the yeah. ring." I mean, he's got a broken back, and somebody had to say, "Just so you guys know, like he's." He, I mean, yes, he's hurt, but not you know, it's not the back. Yeah, that, they that's... were like, "Don't tell anybody." <laughs> right. Don't report this. Don't talk about it on your show. But there's nothing wrong with his back. We're that's the kayfabe because we want his matches to have the drama of the back injury, but right. really he just has a broken jaw. He got punched in the face. Right. So then every match that evil had while he had so, a broken back was everybody kicking him in the back and doing backbreakers to yeah. him. Every match with Tanahashi's got a torn bicep. Zack Sabre Jr. is kicking it into the, the ring post and, and doing all this sort of shit. Now Okada loosely applies athletic tape. A guy rips him off and then kicks him in the back of, for the entire match. And no, I don't buy that. <laughs> if he has two fucking slip discs, I'm not telling Shingo Takagi to do a goddamn backbreaker from the top rope to him. Like, that's probably yeah, not happening. I, I see where you're coming from. I don't know where I stand on this one because i think um but but here's what annoys me when when Meltzer reported the slip discs people were like aha so much for those people who thought (laughs) oh you got yeah you were you got owned over the weekend joe you got so much for those people so much for those people who thought he was wrestling bad on purpose and like no dummy this confirms what i've been saying (laughs) that was also the the story was that he was being bad on purpose yeah no because yeah exactly listen if the guy goes out there in the main events and against the other top workers and has great matches, then he's obviously working down against everyone else <laughs> right. on purpose. What do you it's not called the Tanahashi. Here? It's called the Tanahashi tag team match where he's, he's in a six man and goes, you guys got this. My bicep. Yeah, you know. But then on the G1 the next night when he's in the fucking main event, he's going to go 27 minutes and have a fucking banger. It's like, why so do we like, have to do this do you, again? We're doing this so again? Why are you subtweeting me? I'm right. I was, I, you know, I, I, I'm right. I'm like that. I, I forget who it is in the, in the meme, but it's like, why are you yelling at me? I'm right. Like this proves that I was right, that he was working poorly on purpose. And then they made that the story. They literally made it the story. They literally had people cutting promos, him and other people cutting promos that he was working shitty, that he was wrestling shitty on purpose. Like that was literally the story. And, and, and if he has these slip discs, and he was having shitty matches against shitty people. That and then having good matches against good people. That just proves me right. That he was working shitty on purpose. That was the point. That was the story. I have no idea why people are, are like getting on me when I was proven right by all of this. That is the part that was infuriating to me. So whether he really has the slip discs or not, and I'm not prepared to go as far as you are, uh, we were absolutely right with that theory that he is working. Uh, not working as hard and working poorly on purpose in certain matches and then going all out in other matches. You can't have the performances that he had against Willow Spray at Wrestle Kingdom or Shingo in both of the Shingo matches, both the G1 match, which I liked a little bit better than this one, but this one was great too, and this match, and then go out there and work the way without doing it on purpose. I right mean, when, he, when he lays a turd against one of these great wrestlers, when he goes in there with uh, 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 an Osprey, when he goes in there with Tanahashi, when he goes in there with a Naito, when he goes in there with a Shingo and lays a fucking turd and and it's absolutely garbage and he can't do a drop kick and he can't do it, then I'll say okay maybe maybe this is actually a, a thing. But if he continues to have great matches with great wrestlers and bad matches with bad wrestlers, I'm going to continue to think that uh, maybe this is all part of a big story. So. Exactly. Either a bit, yeah. Or if he's really hurt, he's just, he's working poorly on purpose. Right. It's one or the other. It's, it, it's absolutely one or the other. Yeah. There, there's a reason why his matches with Yujiro suck beyond just Yujiro sucks. Because... All I know is it's intentional either way. <laughs> right. That's right, my right, point. Right. Like he's not. 
he's either taking it point. easy or he's intentionally kind of dogging it. <laughs> here's minutes. why I'm here's why I'm right and all of these people are wrong. Okay, because if if he was if he was out there, he's not out there trying to have great matches against these lesser opponents, and he physically can't do it. No, no, he's because, he's being dumb on purpose in those matches to the point where because the announcers well, yeah, are we, saying, "Why are you doing this stupid move? Stop doing this stupid move and do your real move." It's moves. not even that. We <laughs> right? have the we have the proof that he physically can do it because he does it against. Willow Spray and Shingo and all of the top opponents. Do you think it's just happenstance that those are when he has a good night and he just happens to have a bad night every time he wrestles somebody in a match <laughs> that he doesn't care about? Right. So that's why it's utterly ridiculous, uh, you know, that people think that, uh, you know, this was some kind of, um, you know, anyway, that, that, that definitely annoyed me. I had well, to regardless, with his two slip discs. <laughs> I know but uh, yeah, I do because the best part is I'm seeing you know, people on Twitter be like, "Oh man, I I once had a slip disc and I could barely get out of bed, and this guy's having great matches with Shinko." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." You know? Yeah, but whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. I maybe he. My guess, because it's pro wrestling, and again, believe it or not, Joe, and and this is one of the issues that I'm having with modern pro wrestling is that uh, uh, sometimes now, especially nowadays, they're doing it a lot for some reason. Uh, these wrestlers are pretending that they're hurt when they're not actually hurt, and it's just oh, these scoundrels—it's just really starting to ruin the sanctity yeah. of wrestling. I mean, this has happened a lot lately, and I'm I'm getting I'm getting pretty sick of it, to be honest. So um, yeah, again, I'm not prepared to go quite as far as you. Oh, I'm I sure. You know what? Honestly, I'm sure he's probably got something wrong with his back. I'm sure he's got something wrong with his knees. I mean, if you, anybody who's ever met a wrestler knows they're in constant fucking pain well, every day. Well, yeah. listen, what what if what did we say back when all of this started? Okay. He's now catching up to Naito and Tanahashi where he's not a kid anymore and he's got a lot of miles on the tires and he's reached a point in his career where he's just going to take it easy most of the time. He's not going to go all out in tags. He's not going to go all out go all out when he's not in the main event. He's not going to go all out when he's uh, in a match that he doesn't care about. Just like T-shirt Naito, just like T-shirt Kenny Omega when he was there, just like Tanahashi yeah, six man Tanahashi. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's in his he's in his thirties now, and he's got a lot of tread on the tires. And this this is this is what it is in New Japan. Abushi's gonna get there someday too, believe it or not, even though he seems like a machine. But he'll get there too someday. You know, and 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 Okada's there now. That's all. So um, like you're saying, it, it might be, you know, may, maybe his back's hurt, maybe it's not. Maybe he'll get the back fixed if it's hurt, maybe he won't. But Next year, it'll be something else. You know, the year after that, it'll be something else. Right. He's entered you know? that stage. What, what, whatever yes. it is, they are now using his, his broken down body as a story. And that's right. They, they did the same thing for the last decade with Tanahashi. They did the, you know, that, that's yeah. just, it's a classic pro wrestling tale, uh, especially by New Japan. And they've been, they've been able to tell the story for, for many, many years now, hook, line, and sinker, and everybody falls for it every single time. So, and Naito's knees. I mean, Naito has had knee surgeries. I mean, it's not a secret. You know, they're wrapped up like a fucking mummy underneath his knee pads every time he gets in the ring. I mean, it, and that's his deal. Yeah. And then somehow, so, you know, if it's a big time match or it's Wrestle Kingdom, he goes out there and has a fucking five star match. So it's you yeah. know? So and, even though he's on his deathbed almost every, you know, time. Oh, my God. You know, Naito, the breakdown, all sort of stuff. And then, yeah, you know, and it might be like he doesn't. And that might be why he doesn't look super crisp in you know, uh, random matches here or there. And. People like Meltzer harp on it because he's not super crisp. Because maybe he's not put. Maybe he's only going eighty percent in those matches. But when these guys have to go hundred percent, they're able to do so. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that match was was 
fucking incredible. <laughs> Okada oh, Shingo, that was, match, yes. that was, was just, awesome. goddamn, that was great. Yeah, just, just great back and forth. Okada selling his back like a million bucks. Shingo just, I mean, this is what we say all the time, and people say, oh, you guys just love Shingo, and it's like, dude, this dude could main event any promotion, anytime, in any era, ever. You know what I mean? He's just so fucking great. I don't, I can't believe they're still, like you said, I don't honestly believe if you, if you, with a straight face, tell me that you don't think this guy's one of the best wrestlers in the world. You're just, I, I don't know. We're watching a different thing. I, I, we're just watching a different thing. You're I, just, I don't know what's going it, on. You're yeah. just not going to get it every night anymore. That's all. Yeah. I mean, you know, and for a while you did, while you weren't getting it every night from the guys who were a little bit older than him. But, um, you know, that's where you are now. But, yeah, it was a great match. I just I think I like the G1 match a little better because of the drama of the finish with the money clip and Shingo desperately trying to punch out of it. I thought that was a real dramatic and, and, and a moment I'll, you know, I won't forget. And this was a great match, too. But I like the story of this because Shingo wasn't going to be finished by the money clip this time. You know, he he was ready for it this time and was a, always able to get to the ropes. I, I, I liked as well that, you know, Kata then decides, okay, you know, the money clip's not going to work. I'm going to go for my Rainmaker. And, like, he doesn't even get near hitting it. I mean, Shingo just reverses him yeah. right away and fucking finishes him off. So I think that's a really cool part of the story as well is because, you know, there was a long time where Okada just would not – I'm not going to go to the Rainmaker. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to use the money clip. Well, in this case, he goes, oh, shit, I can't use the money clip against Shingo. All right, fine, I'll go to the old faithful. I'll go to the, you know, the Rainmaker. And it's like, oh, fuck, I can't even do that now. You know, that, that I always yeah. had that ace in the hole of, all right, fine, I'll do the fucking Rainmaker, I'll beat him or whatever. Now he can't even do that. So that's a really cool uh, story they're telling as well is that that ace in the hole that he always had, now that isn't even as reliable as it used to be. So, And it made sense to go for the money clip here because it beat him last time. Right, right, right. Like that worked. So, uh, but then, you know, like you said, he realized that wasn't going to be good enough this time. And uh, Shingo was ready for him and he beat him. So yeah, that's that's been the best match so far. The next night, was uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Gabriel Kidd. They had a really good match. Uh, did you see this night? I did, yeah. That was a, a technical yeah. wizardry <laughs> match. That was really cool. It was just a, kind of a, an old-school old grapple match there between those guys. Gabriel Kidd's solid. He's, he's starting to move up in my rankings a little bit. Yeah, and Willow Spray versus Tenzon, where, you know, Tenzon did step up. You know, it wasn't like a great notebook match or anything, but I thought Tenzon was serviceable in the match, and, and um, it helps that those two have been on opposite sides of a feud, and I thought they had a pretty good match, too. So that was a pretty good night. And, uh, well, it does night three, so we move on to night four. We might get in, be getting into territory where you are checking out. There's a, yeah, I'm watching um, a few of the matches here, but I'm not watching the entire shows uh, at this point. So Yuji Nagata versus Suji, did you see that one? Uh, I saw most of that one, yeah. I didn't, I didn't see all of it, but that, that was a fun match, a good one. I'm, I'm, I think they've made the right decision there, too. I mean, obviously, Suji wasn't going to move forward uh, you know, because he's a young lion, but uh, I think they did a good job of teasing it enough, but I, I like Nagata moving on. I like him making his miracle st- runs. I like Suji slapping him in the face twice before he got hit with the final. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, backdrop driver. That's that's just as important as getting a win, honestly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but being able to kind of humble your, you know, Yuji Nagata in, in that case before you lose, I think is a pretty cool uh, story to tell. So I like that. Sonata and Ishii. I went four and a quarter on this as well. So I have um, not seen this one yet, but but you you have rave reviews that a lot of people said they liked it a lot. So I thought this was. Sonata's cleanest and best performance in a long time. I'm not doing this again. No, it was. <laughs> I'm not he, buying it. I'm not buying into Sonata again. You can't convince me. I'm listen, I'm the first one to point out his his faults. I mean, I bury him all the time. He was good here. Um and you know, Ishii is Ishii. So I thought this was a really solid match right up there with Shingo and Okada. Like same neighborhood. I think I prefer Shingo and Okada a smidge. But um, 
but this is probably for me the second best match of the tournament. This was it was really good. So uh then it was uh what was that? Okayama or was that uh let me see. Yeah, so then the next night was Yoshihashi and Yujiro. That was a nothing match. I mean, it wasn't terrible. Um it was better than it looks on paper, but it's nothing you need to rush out of your way to see. Um David Finley Chase Owens again. Those two matches, and I think Fale and Yano were the three that you can safely skip and really not miss anything. And then Jay White, Toa Hanare, I, you know, I liked it, but in some ways it left me a little empty too. But I did like it, and I thought it was worth my time. But um, I don't know. I. It, it, I, I thought it could have been those two guys have a better match in them. Let me mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah, I, I have not seen that one yet, but I, I've kind of heard the same thing that people say. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, and the elements of being good, but ultimately, what? Yeah, it didn't didn't quite feel like it delivered all the way that it should have. So, yeah, and like I said, I didn't see the evil Cobb or Yano Okan. This is now second round. Yeah, yeah. So th- those so have moved. I into the saw second the whole round, first yeah. round, I guess, and I, I screwed up. It's actually fourteen first round match. Remember, two guys had buys. Right, 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 right. So I've I've seen the whole first round, and you need to see uh, I think two or three matches. Yeah, that, that's that's it. So um, we move on to the second round here. Uh, we're recording this on the 11th, uh, so we actually have a few days. So for the first time, it feels like we have a little bit of a break here. Uh, but then things go nuts. We got shows on the 13th, the 14th, the 15th, the 16th, the 18th, the 20th, and the final is uh, March uh, 21st. Uh, New Japan Cup final. But yeah, second round matchups, obviously, Evil and Cobb has happened. Evil moved on. Uh, Okan and Toriano has happened. Toriano moves on. So we have Evil versus Toriano in the quarterfinals of a, a hellscape uh, quarterfinal match here. Uh, but some good stuff to look forward to. Uh, this night, oh man, Hiroki Goto and Shingo versus Suzuki and Kenta. That sounds like a hell of a night of New Japan Cup action. I'm excited about that one. And then, I'm going to be honest, the next night is, is just as good. Will Ospreay and Zack Sabre Jr., that, that, I mean, those guys have oh, yeah. made they fucking have magic with each other before. So uh, I They don't... can't have anything less than a great match. Yeah, they're, they're, it's just impossible. They just, it, it, impossible for those guys to not go out there. And yeah, I, it, was, it wasn't until I was getting ready for the show that I even realized that that was, you know, the next round matchup. I'm looking at the matchups and going, holy shit, Ospreay versus Zack Sabre, just a quarterfinal, or, you know, a, a second round matchup. So that, that should be awesome. Uh, then well, you... what's interesting oh, is this ahead. is the first this is the first time they'll wrestle with the roles reversed because Osprey is going to be a full on heel and Saber is going to be a babyface in that match. It's true, yeah, that's right. You know, because Saber can go either way with Suzuki Gun, but they're kind of fluid. They're more of a fluid unit right now, so he will be a the fa- he will work face, and and Osprey will work heel, and they've never that I can recall had a match with that dynamic. They've had matches where they were both faces. They've had matches where Saber was a heel. I can't recall this dynamic between these two, unless there's a match I'm forgetting, maybe from years ago in progress or something, where Osprey was a heel briefly or something. But so in New Japan, though, for sure, this is the first time they'll have that kind of dynamic. Uh, Yuji Nagata and Sonata as well. I mean, those guys. I think you know, in 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 past, they've had some pretty decent matchups uh, before. Uh, from Rukakli, so that that should be pretty okay. Uh, and then I don't know, things get a little dicey here. David Finley versus Yoshihashi. I don't know if I'm particularly excited about that. Uh, and then Jay White and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I think has the potential to be really good, but I'm a little iffy on Jay White right now. So we'll see. Hopefully, I mean Tanahashi. It's hard to have a bad match with Tanahashi, but uh, the Jay White shtick is 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 really starting to kind of wear thin on me uh, right now. So yeah, a lot of people thought he was he stalled way too much against Hanare. Um, I, I was into the story they were telling, but I get it. I totally get it. I do think 
like I said, they have a better match in them. So he's really leaning heavily into that stuff, and that's what you were complaining about, you know, last week or the week before with him. So, um, you know, Jay White is going to be a lot like. See, there's some guys now in this company where it's going to be sort of an acquired taste thing, and Great O'Con is one of them, and Jay White's going to be another one. You're either into what they're doing or you're not, and and that's really going to go a long way in determining what you think of their matches. Uh, and then obviously quarterfinals, we'll see where that goes. That's the 16th and the 18th, as we said, and then the 20th uh, and the 21st uh, for the final there for uh, New Japan Cup. But do you have any have any uh, predictions moving forward? Or you kind of enjoy just kind of watching because I didn't I didn't fill out a ballot. I didn't really do anything this year. I know a few uh, different websites. We did not do one officially uh, on our website, but I know like Wrestling Omakase had one, Sport of Wrestling had one, the Super Jcast uh, had one. I didn't fill any out because I was just kind of like you know I'm just going to kind of sit back and enjoy this tournament, and not really you know exactly know where it's going to go or exactly know who's going to win. I uh, just kind of sit back and, and, and see what happens with it. But uh, after, you know, a, a few matches here, do you, do you, do you have a favorite uh, to win this or do you think it's still kind of wide open? I really don't. I really don't. Um, you know, I've got the same sort of picks as everybody else. I mean, obviously Willow Spray is a favorite. Um, I mean, what are you thinking? I I haven't really put. You know, I'm not real big on pickums. Yeah, so yeah. I think. I mean, that's obviously, never been my thing. But um, what what do you think? Yeah, will will seems like an obvious one. Uh, of, of course. <sighs> yeah, Shingo's an interesting one too. You know what I mean? Like I, I that that's and he's the other guy that a lot of people think this is his time, right? And they've know? done the tease with him and, and and Ibushi, so you know they they've they've kind of established that already. So you, there, there's a possibility of that, but I don't want to ever buy in too much on New Japan pushing Shinko because it's always like you always think it's like ah this should be the time they do it. I mean, but if they are going to do it, a New Japan Cup's the perfect time to do it. They, yeah, it, but there's Ibushi going through all the Lij guys as a story. Exactly. Right. Right. So th- this seems like a perfect time for that to happen, but again, it's it's very hard to predict uh, a, a Shingo triumph there. But yeah, I think with Shingo uh, will I, honestly. I mean, you could get to a Shingo versus Will final too, which is pretty. You know, do uh, they... no one's going to complain about that match? No. <laughs> well, I mean, some people will, but they're idiots. So and they're wrong. no. I mean, that'll that'll be another great match. So but, there's uh... that. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know that anybody else really stands out to me. Like Sonata, I, I think no, because we've we've done that. Tanahashi, no. Jay White is an interesting one, I guess, but I think it's probably too soon for him to get back into that mix uh, right away. I agree, how do you, I agree, but then how do you beat him? I don't like, know. That's, do you, I'm trying to think of how Will Ospreay beats you know, a Jay White. Or, well, uh, is, yeah. Would that be his opponent? That's his... Uh... That, if it works out that way, yeah. If Will beats Zach and, and, and Will beats whoever, you know, Nagata and Sonata, then yeah, it will be, it'll be Will versus... I assume... I don't think David Finley is moving on. I don't think Yoshihashi is moving on. Uh, and I don't think Hiroshi Tanahashi is moving on. So yeah, it would, it would presumably be Jay White uh, versus... One of Will or or or, or Zach or or Sonata in the uh, the semifinals, and I'd imagine it'd be it'd be Will there. So but wouldn't it be okay? Wouldn't it be Jay White's turn to beat Will since Will beat him in the G one? <sighs> Probably. That's how Japan typically books. Is that too so, many heels though? Because those are two shitbag heels now. Do you do you put two shitbag heels with each other in the in the in the semifinals? So you don't even think they face each other? I don't know. Well, I I, I mean I do, but then I kind of convince myself that they wouldn't because. Well, then what else? What other? I guess Tanahashi, you but you're right. How do you beat Will? Who beats Will? He'd have to lose now against Tanahashi, and then you know, because he's not losing David Finley or Yoshihashi. He could lose to Tanahashi, I guess. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. But if you want to avoid Osprey versus White, one of them has to lose, and it doesn't look like anyone is capable of beating. Who is White paired up with? 
Uh, White is paired up with Tanahashi, and then he's going to move on to the winner of Finley and Yoshihashi. But that's that. Oh wait, so White faces Tanahashi? What? Yeah, in 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 the next round here. Oh, Osprey faces Saber. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either White or Osprey could lose their next match. So you can get out of those two facing each other. Now, there's no reason for Saber to win the tournament. So if he goes through, then you know White will probably beat him. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, if Shingo's going to win it, it becomes a matter of who do you... Maybe you want Shingo beating Tanahashi in the final. I don't hate that. Yeah, I don't hate that. Right? Because you can knock off... You can knock off Will and Jay with Tanahashi, and it's like, yeah, they, those can... guys don't lose anything by losing a, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi, so... That's right. Or you can beat both Will and Jay in this round and have it Tanahashi beat Saber. Right. So just what the world needs. There's <laughs> another sex saber junior Tanahashi. You know they like pound I know, shit, right? I know. So there's a lot of different ways you can go on that side. Yeah, the, the if, top if I don't Shingo think is winning, if Shingo's winning. Yeah, the top I don't think there's anything really to do there. I mean that Minoru Suzuki, no. Kenta probably not. Goto, I, I think we're past the Goto winning New Japan Cup phases. And Evil and Yano, like I, I don't think those guys. I mean, obviously Yano, no way. And and Evil. I mean, I oh, no. suppose, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. No, he has no chance. I put him 0% chance. Yeah. Uh, been there, done that. It, it wouldn't make... <laughs> do not like. Do not want. No, he's not. I mean, it's not even just... We're canceling the book. We're, we're not doing the ebook if uh, if he wins the, the New Japan Cup. So, so I, I like that I can't work it out. I See, I'm, I'm, I do this with the G1, too. I really don't like trying to work it out. It's weird. I'd rather just watch it. Well, yeah, because what, what happens is we always do this in our G1 preview is we go through, we break down, and then we get to the finals, and then we, or we look at the final night booking and go, oh, well, it's blank. is going to win the whole thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, man. <laughs> or at least have an idea of what. Yeah, right, right. Is. I like this. That I like. That's what I liked about this tournament is like I randomly just popped up New Japan Cup today as we were getting ready for the show, and I'm like, ah, oh, Will versus Zach. Hey, well, there we go. Nice. That's pretty cool. Hey, yeah. Goto versus Shingo. That's a cool match, too. So I'm liking this aspect of kind of just sitting back and, and enjoying uh, having a, having the matches come to me as opposed to sort of predicting what's going to happen. So yeah, yeah. Like so I, I mean, mean, if Shingo's going to win, yeah, I, I think I, you could. You know, Tanahashi's the perfect final opponent. I think. Yeah, yeah. And there's the as never connection. You... There's the never title connection and stuff like that too. So yeah, it all it all works. And Will Ospreay, it's like you, you they could turn him up at any time. Yeah, I, he's yeah he's at a point now where he can take losses and it's in. fine. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really worry about it as long as they're somewhat, you know, guys that are at or near his level. It, it, it does not matter. I mean, because whenever they have his title challenge planned is when you could turn up the dial on him. And as long as he's losing to the right people before that, it's fine. Um, well, and they've also established know, the hellacious beatdown from the, the United Empire, too. So you can just do that, too. Like, they, yeah. some guys, like, need to get those wins to kind of get over, whereas Will has sort of established that he could just beat the, you know, those three guys can just go in and do a gang beatdown of Tanahashi and, and, and tell a story just from that, you, you know, so. I think Jay White's the trickier one to eliminate out of the two. Right, because he's on this whole momentum thing, and he's got it all back, and he's feeling himself yeah. again, and yeah, if you have him lose, you kind of throw all that away and, and, and go back at least to... Well, and maybe that's the story they want to tell. I don't. Maybe maybe this is all fake bravado right now, and then he's going to get upset by somebody, and that's going to kind of set the stage for him moving on and, and, and doing some different stuff, too. So I think you have to get... Yeah, you have to be more careful with his loss if you're going to beat him. Unless he's winning it. Right. But if you're going to beat him, you have to be more careful with how you beat him than how you beat Will Ospreay. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think Will Ospreay can lose to any of his opponents moving forward that are left on on his side. He could lose to Zack Sabre Jr. 
he could lose to either Jay White or Tanahashi, right? I mean, he could lose any of, to any of those three. Sure. And I don't think it would reflect uh, poorly on his push or his level or anything. Whereas Jay White, I think you have to be... I don't, I don't know if Jay White... Is that a good look if he loses to Tanahashi? I don't think it is. It, only, only if now that that's the impetus for him to kind of say, "All right, Gato, like you told me that we were good and everything was back to normal, but you know this is not back to normal. I just lost to Tanahashi in the G one. You know, it's got to be that. It's got to be the impetus for down. that story then, kind of moving forward. The breakdown comes right. Back. Yeah, that, that exactly. You, that it has to be that. He can't just then lose in the in the in the second round of Tanahashi and then come back two weeks later. Doing you know his too sweet thing and 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 and, and yeah. just business as usual. Yeah. No, that that has to then send him off the deep end if he loses in the second round here. Yeah, which again isn't yeah, the no. worst story. I mean, BT she he kind of avenges that loss, but now it could come in a few days. You know, you know, and 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 so yeah, that it's a way you could do it if you really wanted to. But I don't know. Are they ready to kind of jump ahead and and, and get that story going yet? I don't know. Far more interesting side of the bracket than with Evil and Yano. Yeah. And, you know, gross. who could possibly care? But <laughs> gross. Um, he has hope Shingo gets through, yeah. whether he wins it or not. For sure. So that's New Japan Cup. That is New Japan Cup. Yes, I am uh, contractually obligated to let you know the uh, Wrestling Omakase daily coverage of uh, on the Wrestling Omakase Patreon daily coverage of the New Japan Cup uh, as well by John Carroll. So there you go. Are you contractually obligated? Am I getting a piece of this? Uh, sure. Talk to John. <laughs> you are contractually obligated. Yes, oh, you earned. Oh, you, well, the check didn't come. All right. Okay. I'll have to look into this. What do we got next? The nurse has a question. What nurse? I want to know Joe's review of our new show. Joe, what is your review of uh, Fired Up with the Nurse? I did not listen to number two yet, but I listened to number one and I enjoyed it. You know why? Is she Can she hear me? She can hear you. I, I, yeah. gave, her, I gave her part of the headphones, yeah. Okay. Do you know why? Because I'm a good sport and I don't mind people burying me. I think it's a lot of fun. Well, wait till you see how far you get buried in the second episode, Joe. You know, I do have my limits, but... <laughs> You're about to reach him. You're about to reach him. You know what I enjoyed about episode one is you really wanted to bury me hardcore, but then you slowly came around to my side that there's too many M&M flavors. And uh, I... And, and, I think you misread. I, I don't know. I don't. I disagree. No, because no. Remember, we threw out all the flavors. Oh, we did. Because Joe not only dislikes peanut M Ms, but he also dislikes the idea of like peanut butter, mint, and cookie, and all this sort of all shit. Right, and you did the same thing. You, you, we decided we were just going to strike them off from the record. Well, Joe, I hate to say, but wait until you hear my thoughts on Vegas. <laughs> I listen. I, I will. I'm going to listen to that. I guarantee. Within the next twenty four to forty eight hours, <laughs> so we'll see. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling as well. You can listen to it. Uh, yeah. It came around on my Eminem take because here's the other thing. I also feel like some of my Eminem takes were misrepresented on the show. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't need to make counterpoints. I can't but, speak to that because right. I I was not your fault. Wow. A, I I, now giving, I'm getting I'm getting the yeah, uh, the I blowback was, here. I yeah, was the... giving a, given a bias uh, <laughs> side of the story. Crage misrepresented some of my Eminem takes, but that's fine because he knows how to make for an entertaining podcast. <laughs> you know, I, I give him that creative license, okay? But it was nice. It was nice to hear you slowly come around to my argument that there's way too many fucking Eminem flavors. They don't need to exist. And you, and you burying Marxism was just that was the icing on the cake. <laughs> That was just you becoming a socialist, then hating taxes, and then burying. Yeah, yeah. Me, 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 
becoming yeah. a socialist, but then realizing that capitalism is terrible, and then also realizing he, taxes were terrible, yeah, and then realizing yeah, you don't know yeah. anymore. So, but he did bury you for your ranch as well. You were talking shit about ranch, and then went over how much you eat ranch, which is quite a lot, no, including no. in our fridge right oh, now. Yeah, you know what, Rich? I'm glad you brought that. Oh, up. there you I go. I'm gonna sit back. I didn't eat. I don't eat ranch. Yeah, but here's the what's problem. in our fridge right now. What's in that? Fucking what's it? Greek yogurt with ranch fucking powder in it. Oh, okay, all right. Well, here's who's my fucking side are you? <laughs> I'm on. I'm on the entertaining podcast side. He's Five dollar tier, baby. He's stoking, he's stoking the flames. Here's what I want to say about the ranch, and I'm glad he brought this up. I'm sleeping on the couch tonight now, by the way. So this better be good. All right, Rich, move aside here. So you, nurse, yeah, you bur- you buried me for being a big ranch fan yeah. because you assume. That I'm a ranch fan. I did assume because, I, because you're from because Texas. Because I live in Texas. Well, but, I'm but not you're not from Texas. That was my mistake. Am, you're not from Texas. Right. You simply live there. That that was my misstep. And I hate ranch. I don't allow it in my house. <laughs> so you, you bury me for being a ranch lover, and then on top of that, you admit to eating ranch. So you're the one. That eats you ranch. do. You eat ranch. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the ranch powder and Greek yogurt. That's All right, ranch. Fine. Okay. So I can't wait. Okay, after we do the Grubhub delivery, can't wait to come back to this. I think you guys, what I think we should do for Fired Up number three, which we did record one where, where Michelle buries Grubhub and all that sort of stuff. I think we ought to find a time next week to sit you guys down and have a live debate. On Grubhub? Well, on, yes, I think that's... You're going gonna... to scrap that whole episode? We can play it. We can play it, but then Joe's going to have to respond, though. He's going to need to... I'm going to listen to what she has to say, but I already know that it's ill-informed. And... <laughs> I listen... Uh, Sir? I listen to I know I'm gonna be punching podcast about it. I know I'm going to be punching walls when I listen to this. <laughs> it's just going to be so inaccurate. Whatever podcast you listen to, I'm sure that they are misinformed as well. So I'm prepared for the worst when it comes to that one. But I'm, but in that case, I'm also prepared to be pleasantly surprised. That's not as bad as I think it's going to be. No, it's but as bad as you think it's oh, going to be. When you said, "Oh, I bet she thinks this," and I said, "Yep, that's exactly what she said." So yeah, no, it's exactly what you thought. You know what? You're just ill-informed, nurse. You're just right. ill-informed. You this would what? be like me talking about catheters. You that would be like know, me talking. I, about- I feel like he's picking like the wrong topic. It's like. Whatever you do, you stick catheters in guys' dicks in that hospital. What do you do over there? <laughs> you know, whatever we, it is, I do a lot of other things. <laughs> whatever you do in that hospital, it would be like me speaking like I'm informed on it. You yeah. see what I? I'm not because he listens to a podcast about catheters. Hey, man, you right. listen to Doctor Death, you can learn a lot. I'm gonna give it a chance. All right, yeah. I'm going to you, you, have to uh, say. you know what? Here, here, here. Here's the deal. Here's okay, the deal. you have completely yeah. taken over the show. You, you listen to, you go ahead, you listen to, once we publish number three, you listen to that. Yes, and then I will. I'm going to continue my research so that I can make sure that I have proper uh, points and evidence base. Uh, I'm oh. in the fire on a daily basis. Okay, buddy, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. He's got first-hand knowledge. That's what he's saying. I got first-hand knowledge. I fucking order from Grubhub. <laughs> I'm on the other side, baby. This is going to be a slaughter. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. Listen, I don't tell you how to do morphine drips, okay? So yeah. that's all I'm going to say. You could. Yeah. It's always the higher the better. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's how you kill people. <laughs> that is not an official endorsement, or uh, don't do not take the word of the nurse. Uh, anyway, um, 
You all should go to Patreon.com and join for five dollars. Five dollars. I'm on the five. Yeah, you're on the five dollar tier. Get out of here. Shit. Okay, take take that back, everybody. Move over to my Patreon. I'm gonna start <laughs> on my own. <laughs> all right. Great. Great talk. Enjoy. I can't wait to work the next six out of seven days, you stupid fucks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> all right. The nurse. She sounds a little drunk. She does. Drunk. Yeah, what happened? Are you what? all right? What? Joe said you sound a little drunk, like you got into the happy juice on your way home from no, work. No, so here's the thing. I, I ate a McDonald's ice cream cone. got me really <laughs> excited, but then I used the last, like, remaining of my energy yeah. on that, and now I'm just, like, um... Really tired. I could tell, yeah. yeah. So, well. I, okay, all right. Hit the brakes. Okay, you're done. <laughs> Joe's yeah, unentertained, was, unentertained by no, you. That was funny. I was supposed to be eating my lunch, and then yeah. I fell asleep and uh -huh. I was eating, because uh -huh. that's how tired I was uh -huh. today. Okay. But then I drank some coffee. Great. Have fun in bed. I'll see you in a little bit. All right. No, please. Beat it. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> we got another deep dive? We could do another deep dive after this. We'll Take your Crocs and get walking. Get out of here. <laughs> Is she wearing, oh, she's not wearing her Crocs right now, so. No! He said, take your Crocs and get walking, but you're not wearing your Crocs right now, so. I, I ain't wearing Crocs, bitch. Because she's got her jogger uh, scrubs got, on, so she can't yeah, wear her Crocs. You can't she wear wear... Crocs and joggers, you heathen. How am I supposed to know what she's wearing over I don't there? know, I don't know. Okay. The chair of all thinks you're drunk, too, so. Maybe it's time to go to bed. What? There's also joints over there if you want to smoke something, so enjoy. I oh. really just I'm so tired, I'm going to fall asleep. All right, we'll have to, you can do that, too, then. All right. Rich with the devil's lettuce off. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Jeez. Okay, all right. So also, let's... I don't think I sound drunk. I think this is my normal talking voice. No. Okay, all right. Okay, you gotta go. You gotta go. Say goodnight to my precious angel dog. Sounds a little drunk. A little drunk to me. All right. Uh, what the hell were we talking about? Were we, tra we were transitioning out of New Japan, correct? What's her drink of choice? Is she a... Uh... What is your drink of Let choice, Michelle? Guess. What would you say? Yeah, Joe's going to guess, actually. Hold on. Stay okay. here. What's your drink of choice? I say you're, uh, are you big on, like, the Trulies? Are you into that? Like, the fruity uh, Truly drinks or the... Oh, uh, gross. No. Uh, oh, oh, excuse me. I didn't realize you were into the hard liquor. What are you doing? Whiskey over there? You, no. uh, little I, Jack Daniels? I actually What's drink, your... like, mostly beer. Oh, beer. Well, what kind of, what, what, what uh, brand of beer do you consume? Stouts. Uh, are you, uh, oh, wait a minute. Are you a beer snob like Rich? Yes, oh, yeah. Sure that's how we, that's how oh, we okay. actually started talking on that, as right. we, were, we were discussing uh, beer snobbery, and that's how yeah. we, uh, we uh, our first, like, five dates were just at breweries. So. Yeah, craft beer bars. Oh, well, there you go. That answers my question. Yeah. You can, get, you, can, you can get yourself into a vodka crayon every so often. And, I'll, uh... I'll find myself in a Moscow mule. <laughs> Mostly it's because I feel like I'm going to throw up, so I drink it for the ginger beer. But You have some mimosas from time to time as well. Get a mimosa in there. That's a wine or two every so often. So. Red wine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good night. Why did I bring her back in? Tell her to get out of here. <laughs> well, don't tell her that because then she's going to come back in. Just let her. Look at this dog. She's petting dogs. Okay, get out of here. <laughs> thousands, got thousands of people listening to this right now. Let's He's go. So Beat sweet, it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. <laughs> I don't know where <laughs> You want Dragon Gate, Noah? What do you get? What do you want? What do you want next? I think she should do a podcast with the children. Like all the run-in people should get together and do a podcast. 
Wait, oh, so who? Okay, sorry. Who, who's doing this podcast now? She should do a podcast with with the boy and the girl. All the people who do run-ins on the show. <laughs> it's just the, the run-in show. Yeah, <laughs> the run-in show. The three of them should get together and do a show. They would she have similar have conversations. It'd be pretty fun, actually. Yeah. 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 It probably would. Yeah. Because you've always said TLB yeah. is, is probably too shy to do it, but the kids don't care, right? The kids don't care. No, the girl can go get her Doc McStuffins outfit, <laughs> and they can. <laughs> you know, yeah, they can they can do the doctor nurse thing. You know, it it work out nicely. She can ask about being an aspiring nurse, and Michelle will just tell her no, don't do it. You know, yeah, you you don't want this, no, no. Because you said they she play wants- they play doctor every so often, right? They'll they'll. Um. Well, yeah, she wants to be a ballerina and a doctor. I'm like, you can't be both. Oh, <laughs> both? Oh, yeah, you can. Why couldn't you be? Those both take incredible <laughs> amounts of time to be good at. And I'm usually like, let's face it, you're probably not going to succeed at either of those. So why don't you pick something a little? <laughs> why don't more you take up a trade, girl? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why don't you so, learn how to lay some pipe or something? Why don't you learn how to, you know, electric- electricity is a good field. Get into that. Then <laughs> if you happen to be good at the dancing, I'll put you in the da- Then maybe you learn how to it, run power it. lines. That's a, people are always going to need power lines, honey. Why don't you learn how to do that? So. <laughs> Set low bars that are easy to clear is what I say. You yeah, know? under under <laughs> under promise over deliver. Yeah. What are the odds you're going to be a doctor slash ballerina? I mean, we got to reel it in, you know? We definitely have to reel it in. Um, what's next here? Uh, either Dragon Gate or Noah. I'll let you take your, your, your pick here. <coughs> I need some water. Professional operation we've run around here. <laughs> this is really bad. Yeah, I apologize. Um, Fired up, $5 tier, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. This was not planned, by the way, so. Let's do the Dragon Gate. Let's do Let's the Dragon Gate. Let's do the Dragon's Gate. Yeah. yeah. Triple H's favorite promotion, the Dragon's Gate. Uh, two shows here. Uh, Champion Gate 2021 in Osaka. Obviously, we have the Open the Voice Gate podcast here on these uh, very network, voicewrestling.com uh, as well. Uh, great coverage of these two nights and everything going on in Dragon Gate on Open the Voice Gate. Also, Case Low reviews of both of these shows uh, at voicesofwrestling.com as well. So if you want extended thoughts on Dragon Gate, uh, you got that there. But um yeah, I've been uh, I've been kind of jumping in a little bit more to the Dragon Gate as of late, uh, trying to kind of get back to it. And and from what I've seen from these two shows, and I haven't watched all these shows, I just kind of watched the main matches, the big the big matches. Uh, some pretty cool stuff going on in Dragon Gate right now. I I think um, a good collection of young talent that's that's being pushed to the top. You got a new unit, uh, an awesome unit, Joe. High end. What do you think of high end? Run down these members. So again. the members of High End. Let me make sure I get every single one of them. I know I know the top four guys here, but I want to. Uh, I just typed in High End on Google and thought that I would get uh, everybody that was actually in High End. So I believe High End is Ben K, Dragon Kid, Yamato, Keisuke Okuda, and I think they might have one more person, and I'm blanking on who that is. But that's a solid top four. That that is that is right up there with Monster Express in terms of. Like the Rich Krejci special there with, hey, Rich, who are your four favorite wrestlers or four or five favorite wrestlers? We're going to put them all in, a, in the same unit because that was, do you remember the good old days of Monster Express when they were just fucking loaded? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that I think I came on this podcast and said, literally, if you, if you gave me a book and said, write down all of your favorite, you know, Dragon Gate guys, uh, you know, in, in, in a list, it would literally be Akira Tozawa, Masato Yoshino, Big R Shimizu. Anthony Nice when he was there, Uan Nation, Shingo, Ricochet, and T-Hawk were, were all there. Seshi Okoboy was in uh, uh, Monster Express as well. I mean, that was an yeah. awesome unit when those guys were there. But yeah. My question with this unit is, who is the leader? Is it Ben K or is it Yamato? That's, and I think there's some tension there, which is pr- pretty cool. But I believe, okay, so I can confirm it is just those four guys. It's Yamato, Dragon Kid, Keisuke Okuda, 
uh, and Ben K. So obviously Ben K and, and Okuda are not the leaders. They're kind of or, or, or uh, Dragon Kid and Okuda are not the leaders. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you have the tension there with Yamato and Ben K. I think it's assumed that it should be Ben K, but I'm sure you still have Yamato who thinks, well, I'm fucking Yamato. <laughs> like, you know, no, I'm not the, the second yeah, so guy no, in a unit. Like, no, I'm fucking Yamato. Well, who are you? No clear-cut leader there, yeah. which, you know, can make it interesting. And they could probably use another member or two. But yeah, that's a that's an interesting unit. Unfortunately, Natural Vibes is also back. So uh, what, 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 yeah. are, what are your thoughts on, uh, have you changed? Have you softened your stance on Natural Vibes? Or do you think they still kind of stink? I just don't like the dance. I just don't have time for dancing in my wrestling. I just, uh, you know, so you get past the, the, the dopey dance. I guess they're fine. But um, but at the same time, why are we going down this road again with the same? They don't normally do that in Dragon Gate. Usually these units are left to history. You know, so this is strange. I thought it was going to be a setup for something else, but it doesn't look that way. It looks like it's just back. So, no, overall, not a fan. Yeah, and then obviously you have R.E.D. still still going strong. We'll talk about them here in a little bit. And then Masquerade, who who you're still in all in on Masquerade, of course. I'd imagine. It's great but, unit. Yeah, I mean, it's tremendous. Shun Skywalker is phenomenal. He just has a presence about him. He's a superstar. He's clear-cut leader. There's no challenge to that throne. They have a great aesthetic. They have great walkout music. They look great in the ring when they do their pose. They have great colors. Everything about that is very good. It's the right group of guys. So, yeah, big fan of Masquerade. So that's kind of the, the, the current unit uh, layout in, uh, in, in Dragon Gate right now. But, yeah, as far as these two nights, night one, I watched the uh, the Brave Gate match. It was Keisuke Okuda versus uh, uh, Hyo. Uh, and then uh, opened the Triangle match, uh, Triangle Gate match, which was uh, Natural Vibes uh, versus R.E.D. It was Genki Horiguchi, KZ, uh, and Susumu versus Dia Inferno, uh, Diamante, and Hip Hop uh, Kakuda uh, there. The, uh, the Okuda-Hyo uh, Watanabe match, uh, you did not see that, right? I only saw the Dream Gate match. Okay, okay, that's fine. So I'll, I'll quickly run over these ones. Uh, the Brave Gate match is okay. I, I've seen definitely better ok- Okuda matches. Uh, I think these two guys have had better matches or, or will have better matches than this one. There was a lot of R.E.D. interference in this one, and that really kind of dragged things down uh, at certain times. And then, you know, it, it, it they were they ran in. And, and that's, of course, that's Dragon Gate. We all kind of know that that's the score with Dragon Gate, and it's, it, it, it's fine. But in this case, uh, they actually made Hyo look kind of dumb because what happened is R.E.D. like tried to interfere and fucked up, and that's how Okuda beat him. So it was kind of this weird thing where they went, you know, they, they had a, a, a pretty decent, like, 15 to 16-minute match. But then ultimately it was that, Red fucked up, and that's Hyo, you know why Hyo lost. So it's just kind of like I don't know. I, I didn't love that because it made Okuda kind of look like a guy who could only win because the other guy's unit fucked up, and it made Hyo look like you know he had no chance of winning and needed his unit to help him, and then he still fucked up. So you know, like when 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 that's the result, I think that's when interference can kind of go wrong and 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 not really be a, you know positive in in any way uh, for those guys. But uh, the uh, the main event was pretty damn good. Open the triangle gate, Genki Horiguchi, KZ, and Susumu, uh, who I thought worked their asses off here. Uh, against Dia Inferno Diamante and, and Hip Hop Kakuda. So, uh, yeah, Genki, Genki Horiguchi is incredible. I mean, for the age that this guy is and how many years he's been in there, it still amazed me uh, what he can do. And then Susumu, I mean, it goes without saying. I mean, that guy's just fucking incredible for his age. Like, I think you, you have said over, like, the past, you know, you can make a case for him over the last five years as being, you know, one of the top, what, what, what would you always say, top 20, top 50 wrestler in the world? I Listen, I think if I really got down to the nuts and bolts of it, I wouldn't be stunned if I thought Susumu was one of the top twenty wrestlers of his generation. Yeah. Oh, gener- Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he's just he's he's just awesome. He's timeless and, every year too. It's like at the end of the year, you you climb it, you, you count up your things, or you look at what he was in. You're like, God damn, that dude was in like a lot of really good matches. You know, and he's never been in like a 
a match of the year contender, at least off the top of my head. He's not a guy that's going to fill up your notebook with high end stuff because he's really rarely in a position to do so. Um, you know, he's never in huge, he's very rarely in huge Dreamgate matches or something that are going to be in a position to do that. But he's just such a great wrestler. And, you know, it's like, and Kajitora is the other guy who could be at that level, but he just chooses not to. Kajitora turns it down and then turns it up when he has to. Susumu is just always great, you know, and um, you know, he goes off to other companies and works just as hard. And he's just, he's a lunch pail kind of wrestler. Yeah. Susumu. He's just, um, it's going to be a weird comp, but he kind of reminds me of Bobby Eaton in a lot of ways. I know that. No, like no, you know what? No, comp. now that you say it, I kind of close my eyes and no, you're not wrong. That's, that's a pretty damn good comp actually. Not in like the style of work or anything, but like Bobby Eaton for his era and his time, he might be like one of the 20 best wrestlers. Yeah, uh, and he was great for like 20, like well beyond when you think Bobby Eaton was great, he was still good. Yeah, and it's like never really in a position to be, uh, you know, you know, some tag feud, yeah, but never really as a singles guy. And never really worked down to the spot on the card. He always worked hard. He always went out there and gave the same effort. I think they're very similar wrestlers in, in that way and sort of they're understated. You almost forget about them in their place and time. But then every time they wrestle, you're like, this guy's fucking great. Why aren't I watching more of this? No, guy? you're absolutely right. Cause the thing that I always remember about Bobby Eaton is that he was in WCW until like 2000, but like nobody knew cause he was only on Saturday night or only on worldwide, but he'd go out yeah. there and have like these really good, like nine minute TV matches on worldwide that nobody would ever see. But yeah, he's around way long. I mean, most people would probably say, Oh, Bobby. Eaton, he was, you know, it, it was done by, you know, 1995 or whatever. He was done with the blue blood stuff. But then, uh, uh, you know, you would, yeah, you didn't know that he'd be all the way there until uh, 2000. So, yeah, and and you know, always, always with solid work. Yeah, but yeah, so I, I love Jimmy. I, well, I, I keep calling him Jimmy Susumu. I know, I always call him Jimmy Susumu, and I feel terrible about it because he's you know not Jimmy. Though, is, he's only been Jimmy Susumu for he was only Jimmy Susumu for like three years. But I just, I that's the name that always just sticks with me for some reason. I don't know why. But you know what's so hard, what weird about it is it took so long to get used to calling him <laughs> right, and now I can't not call him that. So. And now it's it's hard to go back. Like it, you know, yeah, it, the Jimmys haven't been around for what four years, five years at this point, basically. But yeah, no, I, I hasn't been that long. I maybe I don't know, but yeah, I just I I always call him Jimmy Susumu, and I always apologize ahead of time for calling him Jimmy Susumu. So, but when he was Jimmy Susumu, I was calling him Susumu Yokozuka. Like, <laughs> right, I, right, right. Yeah. Now I'm used to one, and I can't go back to the other. Yeah, but uh, no, he rules. He's a he's just a great, uh, great pro wrestler, and he did great work in all Japan last year. He had matches with that Akira Francesco, the good Italian boy and, you know, just leading them through. And, and, and he just, he's just a great solid veteran wrestler. You would also like too that uh, when they do their post uh, little dance thing, he just, you know, he, he tries, but he's, he's, he's definitely over it. He knows it's fucking stupid. So he can't dance. And, and, and but Genki puts in full effort. Genki who can't him. dance also puts in full effort though. He, you know, Casey can, Casey's got rhythm. Casey can dance. He can do it all. Genki can't, but God damn it. He tries. You know what I mean? He is your uncle that just gets on that dance floor and is like, nah, I'm doing this thing. I'm dancing with the kids and I'm going to do it. So Sumu like half effort, low effort. It's, it's, it's me on the dance floor. That's just like, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragged kicking and screaming because he's been told he has to dance. You know, it's a wedding. You have to dance. It's natural vibes. You have to dance, but he's going to give the minimal amount of effort, barely move his feet, barely move his hips, just kind of go through the motions. So yeah, I appreciate it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genki doesn't care that he's bad. No, he he's knows still... he's bad, but he, he's fucking owning yeah. it. He owns it. Yeah, he owns that dance floor for sure. So, uh, yeah, good for him. But uh, yeah, so then night two, I also I watched only the top two matches uh, there. Uh, a little press for time, and you watched the main event. So I'll, I'll first kind of talk about the open the twin gate. Uh, I was uh, Mochizuki and Yoshida defeating the Red team of BB Hulk and Kai to win the titles. The, the, Thank God. The Yoshida thing is awesome, by the way. The understudy of Mochizuki obviously yeah. gets kicked out of Red. Uh, now he's got to become just kind of like trainee Mochizuki trainee, you know, Takashi Yoshida, and it's fucking awesome. And the crowd loves him as much as the crowd can love him in the clap crowd. Mochizuki taking this young understudy under his wing, even though I think he's like 39 years old or whatever the hell uh, Yoshida yeah. is. But yeah, they're they're a fun team. And Mochizuki, another timeless wrestler, it just absolutely rules. And uh, yeah, I was so glad to see these guys beat uh, BB Hulk and Kai because I think those guys are fucking trash. So, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from Arena Club. Dot com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, yeah. Their matches are never quite as bad as I expect them to be. No, I always come away saying, oh, that was better than I expected, but I always going in thinking, fuck these guys. I really don't want to watch this match at all. I always so. think long and hard about skipping. And then I go, ah, it's a title match. I better watch. 
And then I'm like, but it's going to be terrible. And then it's like two and three quarters, and I'm like, ah, it was fine. You know, it's never quite as bad as I think it's going to be. I'd say this one's probably a little bit better than that, but not by a ton. And they kept it pretty short, too. It only went 14 minutes, uh, which I yeah. think was by design as well. Because some of those matches, some of those R.E.D., you know, B.B. Hulk and Kai matches will go like 22 minutes. You're like, dude, come on, let's go. Like, I get the stick. Yeah. Let's go. But, yeah, this was this is Yoshida doing all the hope spots to kind of get in the crowd behind him and Mochizuki sort of. Uh, you know, whenever he was needed, kind of being the veteran hand of, of of the team. So yeah, really, really cool stuff here. Enjoyed this match a lot. So, so that that's an interesting Twin Gate champion, and and they'll they'll um, that story will run its course eventually, and they'll do whatever they're going to do with those two guys. But that's that's a fun thing to do for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, we go to the uh, main event, which you saw and I saw as well. Shun Skywalker uh, defeating Kaito Ishida to uh, retain his Open the Dream Gate. Uh, championship. So I've talked about all the matches that I've seen so far. Uh, you saw this one as well. What did you think of Shun Skywalker versus Kaito Ishida? I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Shun just has a presence. But more than the match, which I thought it was a very it was a classic match structure, right? So the feeling out process early and then Shun is selling the limb and, and Ishida's going after it and then they have the big transition spot and then it's will Red interfere or won't they? And they really didn't get involved, um, especially by their standards. And Shun did his big, uh, you know, dive to the outside, taking everybody out. And then they have the great closing stretch, right? So they weren't reinventing the wheel with the match structure here. You know, very basic match structure, good, solid, uh, classic match structure. But what I found more interesting about this match is with Shun as the champion and all these young wrestlers emerging, we're, we're starting to build the foundation of history among all of these wrestlers, right? Shun and Ben K, you know, and the unfortunate way that last one ended. But now these two guys, and as, as Jay noted in the commentary, they hadn't faced each other in two years, right? Since, since like uh, somebody's trial series. But here they are in a Dreamgate match. You know Ashida's not going to win. But this is one of those matches that's building a foundation and a history between the two for the future. Right. Whereas when the previous generation of Dragon Gate, when it was Shingo and Shima and, and Doi and, and, and Yamato and Yoshino, those guys have had so much history with each other, right? So it was just added layer upon added layer. Now we're building the foundation of the history with these new guys. And that's what I found fascinating about this match. I'm watching it thinking to myself, okay, in three years, these two guys might have a couple more matches with each other under their belt. They may have traded some wins or whatever, or whatever they, they're going to do moving forward with these two, but I'm going to remember this match as the first big-time match they had with each other. It's getting in on the ground floor of a whole new generation of Dragon Gate guys, and we know how good they are at building and layering history. So to me, that's why this was such an interesting match. The, 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 the outcome was a foregone conclusion. They weren't going to do a title change here. So that wasn't the intrigue. The intrigue is how how does the match go? How does it finish? What kind of finish do they do? And then moving forward, does this become a tentpole rivalry for the next generation of the company or not? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We already know that Shun and Ben K is. But will this one become one of those? Or, you know, maybe not. We'll see. But I thought I found that more interesting than getting wrapped up in 
a vacuum of the drama of that because there really was none because you, you knew Shun was going to win. Yeah, and they, they had some fun hope spots here and there, and then Kaito Ishida, you know, you know, kick out of some big moves here and there. But yeah, you, you knew it was just only a matter of time until Shun was going to put him away. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, and Jay did a great job on, on the English commentary here, which I listened to. Uh, of just kind of putting it over of, of you know, yeah, they, here's where these guys' paths aligned a few years ago. Well, now they realign. You know, when, when Shun Skywalker went away, Kaito Ishida kind of moved, you know, stayed and, 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 and rose up the ranks. And, you know, Shun Skywalker was over in Mexico and, and, and trying to kind of figure himself out, even though they're not that far apart in where they were training. But, you know, Ishida was a little bit farther along than he was. But now, you know, Shun Skywalker's come back and now he's leaped past Kaito Ishida. He's the champion and all that sort of stuff. So Ishida's ready to, to prove that, no, 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 I am still kind of the, the far more advanced wrestler than you are so yeah it's just really really cool stuff there that, that, that they can always tell and that's that's the, the 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 great part about dragon gate and it's you know one of the criticisms that we always have about you know wwe or, or or a lot of american wrestling is that like nobody leaves and nobody goes anywhere and everyone's kind of in their you know same spot and nobody you know everyone that's been in the company has been in the company for 15 years and and like dragon gate does that too when you're in the company you just never leave you're always in that company for 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 you know pretty much your entire career but the difference is you can tell those stories if you actually care about telling those stories if you actually care about hierarchy if you actually care about the history if you actually care about the background and treat it with you know with with, with some sort of substance and 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 really give a shit about who wins and how they win and all that sort of stuff. It's a, an asset to have the same roster for 15 years and and not a, a negative like it is in in WWE where you get sick of the 9,000th Dolph Ziggler Kofi Kingston match because there's no real story to there. Whereas this is like Shunskabark and Kaito Ishida. We now know okay, boom, we've planted our flag from two years ago when these guys you know kind of first started to now for the next you know 10 years. We have stories between these guys, and, and now you can look forward to what's going to happen with those two guys. So it's really cool how, how, how Dragon Gate can do that and really excel in it. But yeah, I'm right with you. That to me, the intrigue of the match was we're watching, you know, two guys that now are going to be the stars in this company for the next 10, 15 years, and, and, and how they sort of interact with one another. Yeah, they're building the foundation now yeah. of all these stories that are going to carry them moving forward for the next decade, which is very interesting. Whereas in the past, if someone was new to Dragon Gate, they're coming in and in the middle and the back end of all of these stories that have already been told for the last 10 years. Now, if you start getting into Dragon Gate, you're in on the ground floor of where they're building all these stories. So, uh, you know, a, a pretty good time to come in. Hip Hop Kakuda. He looks just like Jordan Oliver in the face. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he really does. does. It's, it's unfortunate. Similar gimmicks, too. You know? so Well, sort of. Sort of. Well, Kakuda's hip hop Kakuda because he has a large ass, apparently. So, I thought it meant he was into like you know no. rap music. No, I thought so too. It's it's because they think he has a big ass and he uses his big ass. No. But I don't think it's a very big. I mean, I've, every time I see it, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Is it like that? It's and why? Okay, well then, why isn't it big ass Kakuda? I, there's there's some reason why, and 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 I guess the open the voice gate guys would probably be able to answer that better for you, but. It's something about his hip hopity ass or something. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, no, I think it's they have not. I'm telling you. Listen to Jay on the commentary. It's all about his ass. Listen, I think hip hop Kakuda and Jordan Oliver have the same father. That's what I think. <laughs> it's very possible. They look very, very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Just like we can create that urban legend. Just like a lot of people thought Terry Gordy was uh, Takeshi Morishima. Yeah. Yeah. Takeshi. Yeah. Right. Which I, I really, I mean, the first time I heard that, I was like, that's ridiculous. And then every time that from that point forward that I saw Takeshi Morishima, I'd look and go, eh, I mean, the love child of, of Terry Gordy and Margaret Cho. He does look, he does look like Terry Gordy. It's undeniable. Looks he, like both of them. He kind of wrestles yeah. like him and he's got the same body as him. And it was like, yeah, the first time I was like, that, yeah, come on, that's ridiculous. And then more and more, I was like, eh. 
So maybe we can start that. Maybe people will say that now and think it's true that Hip Hop Kakuda and Jordan Oliver have the same father. I don't think that's going to catch on. I don't think so either. I'm trying to wonder how the time uh, would work there because I think um... better than the timing of Terry. Gordy yes, being <laughs> certainly better than because when wasn't it Terry Gordy had to be like 17 or, or 16 or something like that? Younger, he had to be like 12. Or oh, something. okay. Well, I mean. Back in those I mean, days, though, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any doubt that Terry Gordy was fucking when he was twelve, right? But he yeah. wasn't in he wasn't in Japan. He wasn't in Japan fucking. fucking. Yeah, he was fucking in uh, wherever I forget where Terry Gordy's from, but uh, Georgia, Alabama, <laughs> somewhere, like that. somewhere where fourteen. Does Tennessee. it really matter? Oh, he was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, that dude was fucking when he was twelve for sure. He was but... fucking when he was twelve. He just has fucking when you're twelve energy, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah. You know. Like Terry Gordy, yeah, like he, you know, he was a grizzled sex veteran by the time he was 17. Yeah, it was boring to him by the time he was 17 or 18. It was just something he did, but had no real, like, he did it, but yeah, the the pleasure, the the pleasure was all the way gone by the time he was like 18, because he's just done it for so many years at this point. He was having three ways by then. He was deep in the game by the time. Right, he's got all these amateurs, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to bone these 18 year olds and they're all like, oh, and he's like, all right, come on, let's get this shit over with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he he has fucking when you're twelve energy, but um, it just wasn't in Japan, so it wasn't possible. Yeah, whereas yeah, I think Jordan, because so Hip Hop Kakuda was either born in two thousand or nineteen ninety nine. There's a conflicting uh, news. Well, how old do you think Jordan Oliver is? He's like twenty years old. That's, well, I'm trying to figure out when Jordan Oliver was born too, just to kind of see how it all. Yeah, he's like twenty. He's about twenty. He's thirty. Jordan Oliver, do you know that? No, he's not. It says May eighth, nineteen ninety. I don't believe it either. Let me see if this is the same. No, this is. Two-time Cowboy National Champion uh, Jordan Oliver was not the same. What's wrong with you? He's like 20 years old. Yeah. Oh, there's there's MLW Jordan Oliver age. Is, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, he's like 19. So. Yeah. <laughs> he was born in 1999 as well, so... Um... Told you. They're twins. I wish uh, I wish Jordan had a little bit of the uh, the weight that, uh, <laughs> that our man in Hip Hop Put on weight. Breakfast diet. Yeah, but not the wrong kind of weight, though. <laughs> that's, that's it's like, a heavyweight now. Yes. You have you clearly haven't been watching MLW. I've watched some MLW, yes. I know he's got a little bit of baby fat around his stomach, so now it's because he started eating breakfast that he's gained his weight. But uh, well, that's the that's that, listen, sir. That's his game changer story that he's the big breakfast guy. But in MLW, he is no longer a middleweight; he is a heavyweight now, and he challenged Jacob Fatu last week for the MLW heavyweight title. He's a full-on heavyweight now. How is MLW right now? I know you've been reviewing it on the... Uh... I was very close to hand-waving it, which tells you about how good it was. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Yeah, um, but the last two weeks have been solid. Okay, all right. I'm back in. They got me back in. I, I do this weird thing where I don't watch it for like five months, and then like this weekend I'll watch like nine episodes in a row type thing. So um... Yeah. The, the Filthy Island episode was one of the worst hours of wrestling <laughs> I mean, like not even like I should uh, not even fun bad just bad bad. Mm. Should I, like should I watch it? Uh to experience how bad it was. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll do I that. mean it's just awful. I mean there's a couple mildly amusing moments, like Zenshi jumping out of a tree to attack his opponent. Um, but it was mostly just really bad. They went for something and it didn't land. It happens. And then they took a week off, and the, the last two weeks have been decent. They've been all right. The Jordan Oliver Fatu match might be my favorite Jordan Oliver. Now listen, low bars are easy yeah. to clear, <laughs> right. but 
but this might be my favorite okay. Jordan Oliver right. match of all time, the Fatu match. Um, but it's been decent. ACH had a really good match with Kevin Koo this week. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. That's that that has me because I've always wanted to try to get into Kevin Koo because I I have, you know, I feel like he should be solid or should be okay, and I never quite see it. So I'm 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 curious to watch that one then. So yeah, um, it's been okay. The booking is very solid A to B to C booking. You know, it's MLW usually has scattershot booking. It's all over the place. Things start, but they don't end. It hasn't been that way. I think the pandemic taping schedule has really kept a lot of order. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. it's been good for them. Yeah. Because the booking has been very logical and solid. The problem is they're going to do the Lucha Underground stuff eventually. That's coming. And then I'm out. As soon as they do that, I'm out. You know, they already introduced Mil Muertes. But they keep saying that there's a secret investor and it's going to be Dario Cueto. Yeah. And then, and then once all that shit starts. Yes. Someone's going to be dying and getting eaten alive and stuff. And then, yeah, you're done. So Yeah, no interest. I'm out. But for now, it's it's been it. You know, L.A. Park did a clean job for Hammerstone. I saw that. And I I don't know what court does to that man to convince him to do that. But my God, that every every Lucha promoter needs to have Court Bauer's number handy because. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if that guy, because that's like, what's that, the third job that he's had Park do? I don't know offhand. But Second or third, I mean, are. having Park do any clean jobs to anybody yeah. is not easy, so. Clean in the middle, my friend. Wow, clean one, in the two, middle. three, shoulders on the ground, one, two, three. German suplex, back elbow knockout, and then Hammerstone goes to roll him over, and L.A. Park is just dead weight. He's selling the knockout, and then he, then he took the pin. Whoa, wow. So it was like a definitive win. Because I could see the knockout, and then the, the ref kind of stops it, and then he could always say, you didn't pin me, the ref stopped it. But he takes the, the knockout and the one, two, three? Takes the knockout, sells the knockout like he's knocked out, because he like did the dead weight sell. Yeah. You know the one I'm talking about? Where you really have to pull the guy over? He's not helping you at all? Oh, well, that might be a shoot, too. But, <laughs> but yes. No, the idea was the elbow knocked no, out. No, no, you know? no, for sure. And then, and then the, yeah, clean pin, and... and you know, the rest of the skeletons were there and they didn't jump in and break it up. No, just a clean, Damn. you know, one, two, three in the middle. And, 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 and he, and he was going to hit, he was going to get hit with the nightmare pendulum earlier in the match, but his boys hopped up on the apron and distracted Hammerstone. So it's almost like he lost twice. I mean, it's just, I wasn't expecting that. No, no, for sure not. So that's our, our mini MLW review here. But uh, that's, that's Dragon Gate, so uh, it's a check in there. As I said, Voice is a wrestling uh, podcast network for uh, future uh, Dragon Gate. Open the Voice Gate. Also, uh, Dragon Gate reviews on VoicesOfWrestling.com. They have some shows coming up here over the next month or, or so as well. So uh, we'll be uh, touching out on some Dragon Gate now that things have kind of died down uh, elsewhere in the wrestling world. And now let's talk about Wrestling Noah here because they've had a show last weekend, uh, Great Voyage in Yokohama, and they have a show this weekend as well, Great Voyage uh, or Great Voyage 2021 uh, in Fukuoka, which is uh, coming up this Sunday. The English commentary available on Fight uh, as well. So if you want to listen on English, you can do that. Uh, our Twitter page has a, a giveaway right now for a free code. So if you can go to Twitter at Voices Wrestling, we'll give that away uh, sometime Saturday uh, as well. So still some time to go in there and, and get a free code. But we also have details too on how to order it uh, through fight uh, with English commentary. But uh, real quickly, I'll talk about this Yokohama show. Uh, I'll take you through it since you saw it and I didn't. So, okay. So. I will say I only saw the last three matches on this show. Yeah, we'll just do the big stuff. Okay. We'll do the big stuff. Okay. So I saw none of this. Rich saw it. This is the Yokohama show, which is the setup for the great voyage coming up the big show in Fukuoka this weekend, which we will obviously review next week. 
Um, so Kano continues his march through the shooters. Uh, this time it was Kendo Kashin. He did successfully defend the national title. Thank God. Rich, how was it? Uh, it was it was fine. It it, it was Kendo Kashin being a shithead. Kendo Kashin taking the action to the outside. Kano having to sell submissions and sell near falls from Kendo Kashin. I just I don't want any of that. I want Kano to the bell to ring and him just to kick fucking Kendo Kashin's head off and, and, and beat him. So uh yeah, it went about eleven minutes. It was not too long. It was fine. It was inoffensive, but yeah, it's it's I just don't want I, I don't want to see Kendo Kashin. I don't know why I need to see Kendo Kashin. Why why do did, I need did he, did he get challenged after Kosh? Yeah of course he a, did. Oh who is it? I don't Fujita. I have no idea. It's Fujita. Yay. So Fujita's up next. So yes. that's gotta be the final boss, right? There's no more shooters God, left. God I hope there's nobody more. No, it's gotta be the final boss. I hope. I can't think of any. He went through the rest of them. Is there any other unsuccessful Funaki. New Japan wrestlers from 2003 that uh, he can face? Or, uh, you know. He beat Funaki. He beat Murakami. He beat Kashin. He'll beat Fujita. Well, who else, if who else in the dark Fujita. ages of New Japan can we dig up to uh, to have him face? I don't know. Um, That's got to be the last one. Plus, Fujita's the one that's respected the most, right, yeah, out of all these guys? What's, what's Kenzo Suzuki doing these days? We can call him up, right? There's probably people who would be like, oh, yeah, oh, that'd uh, be a, finally a good match in Noah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's sick. That's going to be right, sick. Right. Yeah. Oh, that fucking rules. Because <laughs> like, yeah. when these Kids assholes are outside of the rig and I'm just looking at these guys and I'm like, is this the, the plan is really all right. Let's let's take the period that nearly sent New Japan into, <laughs> into like that nearly killed the company. Let's get as many of those guys as possible and put them in big spots in our show in 2020. It's just I I. I don't get it. I guess it's a way to distract Kano for a little bit, but it's just like the believability of Kano at the top of his game having to sell for Kendo Kashin just sucks. You know what I mean? I guess he beat Sakuraba already, too. Yeah, yeah, right. This will be, that's literally the last one, so this will be it. Josh Barnett. Now, look. We got Josh Barnett to come out next time. The War of the Peacemaster coming out. So. I'd actually be into that. That I sounds actually, lie. I've now convinced myself that that would actually be awesome, so let's do that. That one I would enjoy. Um, look, some of these have been pretty good. I mean, I haven't I haven't seen all of them. No, no. I mean, in actuality, I'm like, I'm, I, I hate them probably more than most people do just because I don't really, I hate those guys and I think they suck. But uh, nah, this is fine. This is fine. The, the, he, Kano had better ones. I mean, definitely the other ones he had were a lot better. This was probably on the low end of this Kano. Well, Kendall Kashin fucking stinks. Yeah, yeah, he was never good. In, so. He wasn't good in 2001. He wasn't good in 2003. And he's still fucking terrible in 2021. So Yeah. Um, okay, so if he beats Ironhead, I think it's a decent story to kind of establish him as the shooter killer. Um, even if I'm not a big fan of some of the opponents or whatnot. But if he loses, that's yeah. bad, right? Yeah, I, yeah. Let, let's. I mean, dear God, let's hope that uh, that that doesn't happen. But um, but in the Noah hierarchy, like he really shouldn't win that match, right? I mean, yeah, because Fujita is kind of moving down to face him for this title. Yeah, this is a GHC heavyweight challenger level guy. Right, right, he's right. He's going down going, to, going the to the national title. title. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 it, I'm I, a little worried. I can't lie. <laughs> I'm a little worried that Fujita's going to beat him. But um, I think that'd be a mistake. Now, if he beats Fujita, you could, all right, he beat all the shooters and now you move on to whatever you're going to move on. Exactly, to. right. And right. it's a good way to, it, it's 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 kind of a, a feather in his cap. He beat all these, you know, that's how I would book it if I'm going to book this thing. But I think there's a chance. I don't trust Noah's booking right no, now. No, no, right now, yeah. yeah. There's, there's no way to trust that, that, that you know, it's not going to get in the hands of an, uh, of an old guy at some point. So, 
Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what goes with there. But yeah, Kano, Kano still rules, so it was, it was good enough. All right, so Muto, Masato Tanaka, and Marafuji, CM's alliance. And uh, they defeat Go Shiozaki, Keito Kiyomiya, and Yoshiki Inamura. Um, obviously, just a warm-up here for Muto Kiyomiya, I take it. That was a story here. Pretty much, yeah. So this was... Uh, <laughs> so Masato Tanaka was awesome. Marafuji was fine, because Marafuji is just kind of a fine wrestler at this point. Masato Tanaka is incredible. So, of all, so they have all these shitbag, these shitbag old guys that are in this fucking ring all the time. And then, like, Masato Tanaka's is out there, just kind of, he's just, like, another guy. And he's great. He's so much better than all these other guys. And it's just like, fucking Christ, whatever. All right, that's fine. Don't push him. Push, you know, these other dudes. But anyway, uh, so, so Masato Tanaka was really good. And this Goshiozaki was good. Kiyomiya was good. Inamura was, was solid. The problem with Inamura, though, is he was most of the time linked up with Keiji Muto. And Muto, Joe, you need to watch this match before you watch Fukuoka. Muto is so bad. Oh, he's awful. And yeah, remember when terrible. people were telling us, oh, it's not embarrassing when he's in the ring. Did you see the gif of him trying to do his handspring back elbow? Oh, yeah, yeah. Complete embarrassment. Just yeah. awful, 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 awful. And, and the announcers, I feel bad. They have to cover up. Oh, Muto doing classic moves here. And it's like, and Inamura's got a sell that he just took this huge back elbow from Muto who can barely move and can't do a flip. Barely, you know, hits his elbow and then falls down because he can't even sustain his own body weight. The fuck are we doing here? Come on, people make so many ex- they make so many excuses for this guy. It's it's embarrassing. Like I'm they, saying, in they, the ring here, he's in the ring with like Masato Tanaka, who's still as good as he was 20 years ago. Goshiozaki, yeah. who's not, better than ever. Mirafuji, who's slowed down but is still fine. Kiyomiya, who's really on the way up and doing really well. And Inamura, who I like a lot. And the problem though is Inamura, who, who's got a good look and and has potential, is sitting here and he's got to sell for this guy. And it's just, I, I can't buy it. I can't buy that this fucking this giant dude, Inamura, who looks like he could kill guys, is in here selling for some 60-year-old who can barely sustain his own weight on his knees. It's just, it's, it's laughable. It's a joke. I'm right with you. It, it seems to be an unpopular take for whatever reason, but I have no interest in watching this yeah. guy. I have no interest in watching people sell for him. No, I, I like old, uh, the, the idea is that we hate old wrestlers. I don't hate old wrestlers. I just told you how much I love Masato Tanaka. I hate old bad wrestlers because yeah. you, you can't. You, like you said, you cannot let your you, you can't let your mind say, ah, yeah, Keiji Muto is beating up Inamura. You just can't. You cannot do that because it's like it doesn't make. There's in no universe would this man be able to beat up this man ever <laughs> in any any way, shape, or form. So it just yeah, it, it it's it's embarrassing to watch these guys have to sell for Muto and 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 yeah, he's just he's turning odd colors. He can barely walk. It's like what do we come on. Well, we're going to preview the show, but I think there's a big chance he wins. Oh, I really for sure. think. He, oh, I do too. Like, yeah, he, he got the win. Uh, by the way, he got the pinfall over Inamura in this match as well. So, yeah. I wonder why he wasn't paired off with Kiyomiya if that's his. I don't understand they why. They did a little paired. bit here and there, but I guess they didn't want to give you too much uh, to set. I mean, there, there was a little bit of interaction between these guys, but yeah, it was it was the main stuff that I remember was was, was him versus uh, Inamura who was kind of taking all the, the brunt of the stuff. So. All right, so the tag team title match, I am told that I have to watch oh this. Oh, my God. Go out of your way and watch this match. This is awesome. I I almost don't want to spoil the finish for you because I know that you're going to love the finish so much. Then don't. Okay. I'll watch it. I won't. I won't, but it's awesome. And it's a good teaser for everyone else to go find yeah, it. Yeah, if, if you have not watched this main event, go out of your way to watch it. 33 minutes. It flies by one of my favorite finishes of the entire year as well. So Nakajima we won't even give, You know what? We won't even give the winner then. How okay. about that? That's fine. I mean, I could see it, but we won't tell anybody. This way, we give them a chance. Go enjoy the finish. How about that? Yeah. So, GHC title match, The Aggression, which is uh, uh, Nakajima and Kitamiya versus uh, Sigura Gun, uh, Sakuraba and Sigura, who are the champions. Uh, main event, 
Great Voyage in Yokohama. It is available on Fight as well. So if you want English commentary, uh, you can go to Fight TV as well. Voiceswrestling.com slash Fight as well. Make sure you use that link uh, to, to check it out. Or, uh, yeah, however way you want to go and watch this. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be on Wrestle Universe. I don't know if it's there yet. I've been watching most of my stuff on Fight because it's got the English commentary. But, uh, yeah, you can find it. And uh, I don't really want to spoil it because, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty fucking great. So um, we'll talk about it next week. We'll, we'll tag it on to our Fukuoka uh, uh, discussion next week. All right, let's preview this Fukuoka show. I'll blow through the undercard here, and then we'll talk about some of the top stuff. We've got uh, Tanaguchi, Hajime O'Hara, and Yohei versus Inamura, Kenya Okada, and uh, Yasutaka Yano, just your basic opener there. Uh, Akatoshi Saito versus Mohamed Yone in a battle of veterans. I don't know what the fuck's happening there or why they're doing that. Okay. Uh, uh, Yoshinari Ogawa versus Junta Miyawaki. So Ogawa will stretch him. For a few minutes, that should be a lot of fun. Kano, Heo, and Neo versus versus Ironhead, Fujita, Kendo Kashin, and Nosawa Rangai. I'm sure that the uh, well, I guess yeah. So Fujita and Kano are on opposite sides there, mm-hmm. so that's the deal there. And looks like Heo or Neo are going to take a fall to Fujita <laughs> in that one. What a hellacious uh, threesome that is! Fujita, Kendo Kashin, and Nosawa. Gross. Yeah, Yoshioka versus Katoge for the junior title. That should be fun. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, Nakajima, Kitamiya, Manabu Soya, and Tarosuke versus Goshiozaki, Marafuji, Takashi Sagara, and Kotero Suzuki. So they're cramming everybody else of relevance into that. Yeah, tag. I can't say that I love this card. Uh, I, I think what I saw in Fukuoka had a little bit more balance. I mean, this is all this is a one match show for sure. This Great Voyage. Yeah, then two, uh, maybe two. The junior junior titles is solid too. But yeah, yeah, junior match should be good. But it's all about yeah, this name. You might get lucky with a couple of the Ogawa Miyawaki. That's true. Fun. That's true. Ogawa never um, never doesn't deliver. It's so. just a little prelim match, though. You know, so um, and then Muto defending against Kiyomiya, and I really think Muto might retain based on the fact that he signed a long term contract. It's his first defense. Um, he beat Kiyomiya the last time they faced each other, which you think would work in Kiyomiya's favor. But the way Noah is booked lately, I mean, who knows? And I think maybe they might save Muto losing the title for a different building. I, I, I have deep concerns that Muto is going to win. I'm right with you. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that just kind of think it's a foregone conclusion that Kiyomiya does get the win, and and this all Muto thing is all built up for Kiyomiya to beat him. And and um. I mean, yeah, at some point, probably, but I don't, I mean, what makes you, what, what indication do you have that it's going to happen right now? That, it, that That's that's always my question to people that are like, oh, well, no, it's, obviously he's going to beat Muto. And it's like, but if Muto signed and he's not going anywhere and you, you, you have him as a regular, like, why now? Why, 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 you know, what's he going to do after this then? You know, you have Muto signed for a long-term deal and he's going to win the title and then a month later he's going to lose it. Now, what does he do the rest of the two years or whatever that he signed to your Company. Yeah, exactly. I, I, what else do you do with him? Yeah, so the, the, I mean, once once he loses this title, he's kind of just perpetually just a dude on the roster now. And I don't. I mean, they obviously see some value in in, in having Kijimuto. I mean, I would never. Have, I would have maybe brought him in, but never have him win a title, or never have him in main events, or never have him in singles. We're too far past that. They've already done it. He's already won the title. But yeah, I, at this point now, it's like, well, fuck. If you got him, I don't know. I guess keep him in more main events. So I'm with you. I I, I think he. You know, Kiyomiya gets really close, and then Muto pulls it out and, and gets the win. They stretch us on a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm just way less interested in Noah than I was before, you know, before he won the title. Um, I thought they were doing really great things. I was super into the shows. I was making sure I watched them live. 
And as you can see, I didn't even watch the Yokohama show yet. Just haven't gotten to it. It's just Muto winning just sucked all of my interest out of it. So I hope he loses. And um, y'all watch it. Be rooting against them. I just now look. The last time they their last match was really good. I I thought that these two guys had a really good match last time, but with Muto, it's like you know, for every four or five matches, if he can pull out an acceptable match, it's just not worth the trade off of what you described in that six man tag and the performance that we had to endure versus Shiozaki, which I thought was terrible. And I thought people went way too easy on him. So um, it's just hard to muster up interest. I hope he loses, but I'm scared that he won't. Yeah, I, I, I have the same uh, same unfortunate thought as well. So I will see, but we'll, we'll talk about that show. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll touch on it next week. Uh, Great Voyage 2021 in, in, in Fukuoka. Again, English commentary uh, available on Fight uh, as well. And we do have a contest, as I said, at, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. If you want to uh, jump in and try to win a free... Uh, a free code uh, for that. You can all you have to do is retweet and then you know talk about the match you're most looking forward to. So you know what it is with a guy like him. It's like as long as he doesn't completely stink, people are like, "Oh, see, he's fine. He can still get his way through a match. He's okay." Look at the working standard around the world. He's not even close. Yeah, we can't. We we gotta we gotta aim higher than he. Yeah. can finish a match without his knees blowing. You know what I mean? Which he was not able to do in the last. You know, we have to. We got it. I mean, especially this company, which has established in 2020 an insane working standard at the top of the company. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, look look at the champions across the world. I mean, this is yeah, it's fucking it's laughable. And then look at this fucking dinosaur who can barely move, and people give him credit because he can get through a match. <laughs> With his charisma, but it's very obvious that he can barely move around. I think people's standards are just so low when it comes to a guy like this. You know, and it's like it's, you look at the working standard around the world, and it's a joke. That's why I think it's embarrassing. I think it's bad enough that Suwama is a champion in 2021. And Suwama is like a thousand times the wrestler that Muto is at this point. Like it's not even it's not even worthy of a comparison, Suwama and Muto. And I think Suwama, you're really pushing it. Having a guy like that as your champ, let alone Muto. It's just, you can't. It's just, it's, it's, it's not a good look at all. Yeah, it's, and it's, ne- it's never really proven successful either to put your title on a really, really old guy. Everybody kind of thinks it is and says it is, but it really goes through history. It's really never been all that successful. And like we said, too, it's, it's like, Muto, he's been around. He's been doing stuff, and it hasn't really attracted any sort of, you know, eyeballs over the last ten years. He's been doing shit in Wrestle One. He's been doing shit in his own produce stuff, and I, I just, I, I'm a little dubious on how much Keiji Muto matters to the, uh, the the wrestling world in 2021, the Japanese wrestling world uh, in 2021. People will shout us down all they want, but I mean, I don't know. I have Wrestle One and <laughs> and Promising Masters and any other number of Keiji Muto things to, to point to and say, well, why why were all those so unsuccessful then if he was, you know. Uh, 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 such a big commodity and such a big draw, and and yeah, I just you will never sell me on this being a good idea in 2021 to have KG Muto uh, be your champion. It's just I, I think it's embarrassing. And I think it makes it, everybody else look terrible, and 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 I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, we'll see. Maybe crowds will come back, and he has a title defense and a full Budokan or something. I, I mean, I can't see it, but then we'll have to come on here and say we're oh, wrong. I mean, hey, I'll be I'll, I'll be glad to be proven wrong, but uh, so far I I, I think. Uh, I think I'm right, but we'll see. I mean, when it comes to his physical performances, I mean, they're brutal. They're just brutal. They they they, they ruin the believability. It's you always talk they're about really, the Dory Funk yeah. Jr. Matt when he comes out there and he's 87 yeah. years old, and it's just like this. This I, I can't believe that this guy is in a simulated fight. I just can't. And, and that's how it is with Mudo. I just cannot buy 
that this guy's beating up, you know, Kaito Kiyomiya, this fucking 23-year-old kid. Or it's just like, it's... They gotta, it's, they gotta work down to his level. Exactly. Everyone's gotta slow down. Everyone's gotta... Yeah, it, 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 it's embarrassing. And that's not with this company. I mean, this company, I think, did so much in 2020 to, to kind of get themselves back on track and, 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 and start moving forward for the first time in a long time. Uh, and it feels like they took many, many steps super, back here. So. Super physical and nasty matches and just different than everything else that yeah, was nobody out there. Was, nobody did pandemic wrestling better than, than Noah. AEW yeah. may be the only other one that I would say that really excelled at it. Atmosphere-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just making it, saying, hey, look, we got we got, we were dealt a bad hand, but let's make the most of it. So instead of, we're just going to have matches where guys just kick the fucking shit out of each other for 30 minutes. And it was awesome. And it was yeah. great. And now we have this so um aw was just lucky to be in florida where nobody gave a fuck yeah and, and to have their owner own a building that they could use right so so that that was very advantageous to them for atmosphere reasons but noah overcame no crowds and clap crowds with the physicality and it's just a shame that these guys have to work down the muto's level and again every now and then he could channel it and have a match that's you know uh that can be good but it's just it's too hard for him at this point yeah all right, so that is uh, Noah. Uh, we'll finish out here talking uh, some WWE stuff. Uh, first off here, according to a report from F4WOnline.com, John Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace, is returning to the position of head of talent relations for World Wrestling Entertainment. He'll be reporting to Executive Vice President of Operations, Brad Bloom. I don't know who Brad Bloom is, but he's the Executive Vice President of Operations, apparently. Uh, and he is starting the role immediately, and his title is General Manager of Talent. John Laurinaitis. Back on top. You got Bruce Pritchard right and raw. You got Johnny Ace picking out the next generation of wrestlers. This is just fantastic news. Yeah, what can go wrong? <laughs> this is perfect. Yeah. He held, yeah. Oh, by the way, he held that job previously from 2004 to 2012, an era of just great success in terms of, of finding good, hot, new young talent. Uh, in the oh, the list world, goes so. on and on. It's, <laughs> right. yeah. um, look, I don't, I don't know how to break this down. What is it? What's he going to, what's his job? What's he going to do? I don't know what he's going to do. Where's Canyon Seaman? Is he still around? I don't know like, where Canyon Seaman is. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Canyon you know, Seaman or, or, or uh, Mark Carano. Mark Carano. Was the yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened yeah. to Mark Carano. You know, these are all the guys that fire you. And then you go to Vince and say, what's up? And he goes, Oh, I couldn't do anything about it. Mark Carano wanted to <laughs> right. Right. You know, that's, that's who all these guys. You know, what's, what's unfortunate is, is you and I, I don't, I got, I need to get better at it. Maybe I'll train pretty soon. Cause Brandon Thurston on the WrestleNomics radio has nailed the gravelly voice. Vince McMahon. It's so good. He's really good it's at so it. Good. And we all, we're all guilty of it. We do commentator Vince McMahon. God damn it. Yes. You know, Vince McMahon. And that's not Vince McMahon anymore. He's, he's got this. We do peak Mr. McMahon. Right, so. right, right. Where now he always sounds like he just woke up four seconds ago. Um, he's always got kind of like a lump in his throat. I can't do that one, but Brandon just nails it. He really does a great job. Does, yeah. So we all got, we all have to get better at it, yeah. but I don't, I don't know how it, it, it's going to be tough. So it's so good though. Yeah. WrestleNomics. every week he busts one out at some point too. He's been so. doing a good one too that I, I always, I, I, you know, I never really noticed it until he did it is, you know, when Michael Cole says WWE, <laughs> he's done a yeah. great job of, of the full W yeah, W W E. Which which Cole was probably forced to practice right uh, in, in a dungeon somewhere. W W E. Yeah, no lazy W's. The full W W W E. Yeah, absolutely. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And Brandon's nailed that as well. So yeah, he's he's doing great work there on WrestleNomics Radio in terms of Dude, the just, content. Just, the, yeah, he's doing all these good graphs and stuff. But really, the 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 star of the show is his Vince McMahon impression, the W W E thing too. So 
does uh, Face Fuck Phillips and the other Ken? Oh Dahl, yeah, they- oh yeah. Tom Phillips is a for sure one. Uh, a WWE. I don't know. I don't know about Vic Joseph. Uh, Vic Joseph's got the tag down. I know that he's a great at, at telling you when there's a. tag. Oh, he loves sneaking in tag. No matter what you want, tag. <laughs> he never misses that one because I think they do electroshock if you don't do it. Like there's Vince has a little buzzer. Right, and if you don't say tag, he he gives you a little shock because he slips it in no matter what's going on around him. He slips in tag. Yeah, Beth Phoenix will be in, in the middle of one of her long diatribes or whatever, and and, and Vic Joseph just go tag, <laughs> and then like tag. never miss. He won't say anything else. He just says tag, and then just stops and lets her kind of finish her her diatribe, and then 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 yeah. Uh, but what I know Tom Phillips for sure is a WWE guy. I don't know. I, I think Vic does it too, but not not to the extent. You gotta do the full W's, the full W's, W. No one, no real human does the full W except these guys. You know, everyone cheats on the W. W, W. w. Yeah, I've, I've never w. said W. I, I, w, 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 W. I say w, w is how I pronounce it. W. <laughs> yeah, W, WWE. No one says WWE, like, except those guys. Except Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon, Michael Cole, and, 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 and uh and Tom Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. With his raging boner on the airplane. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever had a boner on an airplane. Nah, he didn't have one either. He's just doing He's just stuff. doing stick, you think? Yeah. yeah, he's not he's not. Oh yeah, he didn't have he didn't really have a boner on that plane. Come on. He's just he's just trying to talk, you know, he's trying to be sexy. You know, so he's telling her he's got a big boner for her while he's on the plane. That's an old story. All, yeah, people people very very much get confused by the uh but you, yeah, I'm sure you can look at it. I'm sure it's still a story out there. So. Well, you know what's a big one in my house is the Seth Rollins. I I always uh <laughs> I always text TOB. I'm sure you can please me quite well because I showed her that and she was disgusted by it. The least sexy thing that any human the being has ever said to another thing. human being, yeah. Tried up her vagina like a death. <laughs> right. So, you know, now when I'm being silly. When I'm being silly, Rich, I will text her that, and uh, we will get a good laugh. So um, that that's the I'm one. I'm glad that's you're dunking on uh, Seth Rollins in your sex life. That's uh... constantly in my house. I'm dunking on <laughs> Seth Rollins' sexts constantly. I know you can please me quite well. Who would type that and then hit send? And like, this is when he was closing the deal. Like, the yeah, he was like, li- he he hit sent and then lick his lips. Like, ah, yeah, <laughs> let's go, dude. The next text was like the room number. Like that was his closer. That was his closing thing. I know you can please me quite well. What woman's gonna look at that and be like, "Oh, well, that's some that's some hot talk." Yeah, what a, what a ch- yeah, what boy. a challenge this man challenged me to this. Yes, this is a naughty boy. I'm going to see. Hmm. Oh, that was a great episode. Our our, our Shabbata, Seth Rollins, <laughs> it's Tom Phillips sexting. That was a yeah. big thing. That was for whatever reason that week was just like everybody was sexing like crazy that week. So everyone was horny that week. Absolutely. I don't really have a problem with with face fuck Phillips. It's just funny that he got caught. That's yeah, all. yeah, for sure. I've texted far worse. I mean, I'll be completely honest here. I mean, I, I don't think anyone would be surprised by that. But I mean, you know, he was just being a horny boy trying to to score with the lady yeah. the problem with face fuck phillips is he was engaged and getting married like a month later that is indeed the problem that, yes that that, that was yeah while you're about to get married you're, you're you're talking to another girl about how you're boner on a plane ride and how you, you you know yeah so that that's that's where you run into some issues there so yeah and then the, the girl found out and ratted him out so yeah, you know what happens. Did he end up marrying that girl or what? Uh, i have no idea i don't know the uh the, the current marital status of one time phillips so 
Yeah. Don't really I don't know. Either. So Johnny maybe Ace. She knows, <laughs> maybe, she knows he's, maybe she knows he's a big-time celebrity and he has a pass. You never know. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you're going to marry someone like Tom Phillips, you got to understand Tom Phillips can't be contained. You know, you, you kind of have to understand that, you know, he's going to boys will be boys on the road. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. The agreements, you know, that, that agreement that, you know, pro athletes and their wives have of, you know, hey, look. Yeah. It's Tom Phillips. He's like, listen, I call 205 Live, okay, Tuts? <laughs> right. You can't. If you're going to get into a marriage WWE commentator. Like, you know. That's right. You have to understand that there's going to be some rules here that are, you know. I did MXC UK. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, I, from what I am told, am next in line for Michael Cole's job. And I don't know if you know what that means, but it means I get the fuck on the road. Okay. And you kind of have to just go with it. I mean, that's that's the price you pay for being the hand-selected wife of a Tom Phillips, yeah. you know, and I think that's fair to be honest. You know, I'm sure you had some parameters you laid out for the nurse. You're like, listen, <laughs> I'm Rich Craig. <laughs> I do the voice of wrestling podcast. So that's... Absolutely. So there's some things that you have to understand before you accept this ring. Yes. And, and what I said is that three hours every single week, I have to talk to this dope about Japanese wrestling. So that's it. That's, yeah. that's the only parameter, but it was a parameter nonetheless. And these rules are un- are unbendable. Okay, so I, I see where face fuck Phillips is coming from. Mm-hmm. So maybe he wasn't in the wrong, but, you know, uh, so Johnny Ace has taken over talent relations. Yeah, so I uh, if I'm a woman in the company, I'd be a little a uh, little worried here because uh, old John was uh, I don't know. What would he use these days? Because he used to use uh, Maxim, right? He would go through the the, the issues of Maxim and FHM <laughs> when FHM was a thing. That's a that's a shoot. Rich isn't making. No, I'm not up. joking. He would literally go through Maxim and say, "Oh, I, she's pretty hot. I can't do a Johnny Ace impression." And and call that woman and say and and have her become a wrestler. That's how he found numerous women uh, through this era. That uh, I, I try to do Johnny Ace, and it ends up sounding like Terry Funk. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I'm not even going to do it. Yeah, I can't. I can't do the Johnny Ace. But um, but to be fair to Johnny Ace, he was instructed to find the female talent that way. Right, so. which is not a bad job of, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll go, you know, I'll watch these softcore porn magazines and go through these. And are there tasteful bikini photos and tasteful lingerie photos, of yes. course, and all these. And, and, and uh, the yeah. Maxim, the Maxim hometown hotties. Remember that one, Rich? <laughs> yes, I, yes. Hometown hotties. And they would, they would send in, the, the amateurs would send in their photos. As advertised, there they were certainly some hometown hotties all the time in those magazines, so. Yeah, the hometown hotties. Yeah, those are big. Uh, did it, is is Maxim? Does it exist? Like I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea of Maxim or like I mentioned FHM. Like I don't know if any of those are around anymore. Do you remember when WWE Magazine tried to tried to switch to that style yes, for a little while? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah, and that didn't that didn't, <laughs> it, didn't it didn't work but, as well. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's Johnny Ace. I don't. I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, I don't know what they're doing, but hey. I'm glad that the same people that have been in charge forever are once again uh, in charge again at that company. So it must exist because didn't the interview girl from ROH try to be a Maxim hometown hottie not too long ago? Oh, uh, McKay. Yeah. Quinn, oh, I didn't know that. Quinn, oh, McKay. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Well, must exist. I think she did, and then something made her like she was winning her vote, and she's kind of awoke. I think. And Maxim did something she didn't like, and then she mm, pulled out. Okay, I think that's what happened. It was either Maxim or maybe it wasn't. I think it was Maxim, though. Yeah, and because you know, 
she has a lot of fans already. I know she was cleaning up, but then like something happened. I don't know. And she's like, I don't want this anymore because I don't know. Whatever fucking reason. <laughs> uh, I don't want to get myself in trouble. Like, I don't yeah, know yeah, the reason. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. You know how people are. But um, yeah, I think, I think that was Maxim though. So I, I, I think it must still exist. I oh, don't know. Good. Well, I'm glad. That's a, it's a fun magazine. Hometown. My, my early days. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed Maxim in my, uh, my teens. So glad. You know? Oh, you were right in the prime those team year. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That's when like the, the the magazine rack was. There was like seven of them. There was there yeah. was Maxim, uh, as I said, FHM. What was the other one? There was a few that were just like, a bunch of, yeah, just like hot celebrities and then hot women just wearing bikinis and <laughs> covering their breasts while they weren't wearing bikinis. It was it was good, good times. Total. So. I yeah. could see you volunteering to go grocery shopping with your mom. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. First, you look at the 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 pro wrestling. <laughs> of course, yeah, I'm rankings. definitely gonna flip through yeah. PWI first, of course. Right, and look at the rankings for that one. <laughs> right, right. And then uh, go right to that rankings page. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going and right then... to the women. I, women will come and go, but the pro wrestling <laughs> illustrated, you know, rankings. Those right. those are those are timeless. Yeah, yeah. You want to see who the pinup is that month in the PWI before you look at the pinup in the max. <laughs> right, yeah. Eva Longoria, I'll see her eventually, but like, let's see where you know. I gotta see where. Like, oh, a Crash Holly poster this month. <laughs> right, 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 right. Good shot of uh, yeah, Jessica Alba is a nice looking woman, but uh, yeah, Crash Holly, <laughs> you know, we're in top 10. Yeah. That, that's pretty, that's pretty important. So I gotta, I gotta check that out. So Simon Diamond, oh, all right. <laughs> um, remember Wow Magazine? I was a big fan of Wow Magazine too. Yeah, see, now what wow. wow Magazine did was try to be PWI, but then also just put a bunch of Francine uh, bikini yes. photos throughout it as well. So that, that 13 year old me was that was best of both worlds then. And also halfway, not kayfabe. Yes, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. at that time, I was kind of like I was early smart. Yeah, you know, I, I was on chat room, so I knew like ah, I know how, I know how it's really right. done here. <laughs> so when they were like, oh, yeah. they're like, well, Sabu doesn't want to do the job, and I'm like, ooh, <laughs> like how yeah. salacious. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's how Wow Magazine, and that, then the ECW Magazine was the same publisher, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It wasn't Bill Apter involved with Wow? For uh, I believe a while. he was. Yeah, I believe he was the editor of, of of Wow magazine. So, so I remember his big editorial when he joined. He's like, "The world is changing, and we can't kayfabe forever." And I was like, "Man, the world has changed. If Bill Apter's not kayfabing anymore, I don't know if I like this world we're in." But um, I don't think he lasted long with Wow. No, the Wow didn't last very long either. So um, yeah, that's great. Right. Lost. Glossy, it was magazine. very glossy. Yeah, it was. It was good. It was big too. It was like a big magazine, it's oversized, for some yeah. which I didn't like because then if you stack it with other magazines, it's just it ruined. Yeah, it ruined the whole thing. Yeah, yeah it was, it was they don't good. like that. Just why well, gotta try to be different? Just use the standard magazine. Yeah, just make a fucking magazine. All right, come on. Looking yeah, cute here. Come on now. All right, so we have a few more minutes here. WrestleMania tickets are on sale. Uh, WWE announced that a limited number of tickets to its two-night pop culture extravaganza WrestleMania presented by Snickers will go on sale next Tuesday, March 16th, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern. So, Yeah, they're going to try to pack that bitch two nights in a row. They are. They definitely are. Yeah, I think right now the rumor is that they're trying to get 35,000. I am guessing that as we get closer and as more and more arenas are starting to say, eh, let's maybe try it. And it being Florida, uh, there's a good chance that Vince is going to say, can I get the whole place? And at some point, Raymond James is probably going to say, sure, why not? Let's try. So, um, ticket prices range from 35 to $2,500. So, um, yeah, but you get to take the chair home. So yeah, that's true. 
So it's well worth three thousand dollars to yeah. watch. Uh, to have your chair with Bobby Lashley's face <laughs> on the, you know, they'll sit in your garage until uh, you put it on eBay and and get back, you know, a quarter of what you spent on the ticket. So. Two matches announced for WrestleMania so far, Roman Reigns and Edge and Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Uh, and and, and per some reports, uh, we are nowhere closer to having the rest of that card ready to go anytime soon, even though it's, I believe, in 28 days. So, Well, you know, I got plenty of time <laughs> to figure it out. That gives them, what, three Raws? They'll three Raws, right. yeah, three Raws yeah. until, until WrestleMania. So, uh, so, Joe, as I said, WWE has uh, tickets to its two-night pop culture extravaganza WrestleMania presented by Snickers. Well, hopefully you're ready for some more WWE wrestling because they have a two-night event titled Stand and Deliver, NXT Stand and Deliver, uh, night one scheduled for April 7th, uh, airing on the USA Network, and night two streaming exclusively on Peacock April 8th. So I don't know who the hell's naming these NXT takeovers anymore, but um, Stand and Deliver. Edward James almost, apparently. (laughs) Stand and Deliver. Uh, yeah, what? Lou Diamond Phillips named this. <laughs> what we are we doing here? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, they must have heard. Confirmed. Confirmed flagship listeners. Well, they all are. I don't know how they think they're going to... Listen, did you see NXT this week? Loaded show. The same old point one eight they always I do. I know. It's over. I mean, Adam Cole, Finn Balor, nothing. How are they going to put two shows together? And they, uh, they're not selling tickets for this one, are they? Is this going to be? As far as I know, right now, no. I believe I believe this will take place in the uh, the Capital Re- uh, Wrestling Center or whatever the fuck. Yeah, that'll feel special. Yeah, oh, yeah. two nights, two night event from the here. Capital Wrestling Center. Um, the NXT just feels so cold. It's ice cold. I don't know how you're going to get two super cards out of that show. I really don't. Yeah, there's, I mean, the content overload coming up WrestleMania weekend from WWE is, is, is absolutely insane. So you got Stand and Deliver, you got WrestleMania's two nights, you have two nights of NXT, two nights of, of WrestleMania, you have the Hall of Fame, which is going to have 2020 and 21, 2021's class, Raw, SmackDown, it's just fucking ridiculous. I cannot believe that, they're, but we're, we're in the content business, so content is content, so enjoy the content. Molly Holly. Oh, I can't wait to hear the. <laughs> this you had this discussion, I believe, uh, off uh, offline in our, our Slack, and uh, you asked, "Is she the worst WWE Hall of Famer ever?" I said, "She's probably bottom five. She's definitely yeah." So we, I came up with a few names uh, as you were discussing. Ivory to me is probably the worst. I don't. Yeah, I mean, no, I think Baron Mikel Sakluna or Johnny, probably Johnny Rod. Johnny Rod, probably yeah, that's true. Baron Mikel Sakluna, at least at one time, he was like a tag team champion before he became a jobber. Uh, Johnny Rods was just a straight up jobber the the whole time. Jacqueline is a terrible Hall of Jacqueline's Famer. terrible. Yeah, so that that might be our uh, bottom five right there if if we go over that. Yeah, James Dudley, the limo driver, who was an in who was an on screen manager like. Even the most ardent of historians don't even really remember James Dudley being an on-camera. That's how infrequently he was a character. He was really just Vince's limo driver. Um, So I don't even know if you want to count him. But yeah, Jacqueline, Ivory, Rods, Sakluna, and Molly Holly. They're probably the five worst, right? 
if it had any standards like a real Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't ever want to get into a, uh, a, a an actual WWE Hall of Fame discussion. But yeah, there, there's, I mean, Molly Holly is there because they just. She was just a prelim wrestler yeah. for like three years. Right. There's, I mean, there's no case whatsoever. And had no career outside of WWE to add to it. I mean. <laughs> wow. Really underrating the Miss Madness era, <laughs> Mona. That is correct. I am Mona of correct. Miss Madness. I, I of of you know Randy Savage's short lived uh, uh, yeah. I mean, unit with Gorgeous George and Medusa. So that's why I would put Coco Beware above all of those five. I mean, he had a career outside of WWF, um, and was a better and was a very it was an excellent wrestler at least. Uh, Molly Holly was a good wrestler, but I mean. If you apply any standards whatsoever, right, 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 and and, and the problem is anytime, anytime they they make an announcement for this Hall of Fame, then you get the quote tweets of, "Oh, what a great, yeah, she absolutely deserves it, a very deserving Hall of Fame." It's like, shut up! No, she isn't. I'm sure she's nice. I've heard she's very nice. She's not a deserving Hall of Famer in any Hall of Fame. No. So just it's okay. It's okay to say cool. That's really cool for Molly Holly. Great. But you, you, you can end it there. You don't have to say, oh, a very deserving Hall of Famer, underrated. No, she wasn't. She's, yeah. She's Jacqueline got the same treatment. I know. Like, yeah. Oh, really? People don't understand how important Jacqueline was. To, no, she wasn't. No, none of these people were important. None of the people we named were important at all in any way, shape or form. Yeah. You, you can, you can, t- like, you can, you can erase any of those people from existence and nothing would change. Like nothing at all. Ivory. Are you kidding me? Is she really in Ivory? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think at one point they're oh. just going to literally have every woman that's ever wrestled in the company. Who was the one that was Kane's girlfriend in Star uh, That's Tori. That was Tori. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tori is, is not she... in yet. Tori is not in yet. She's on the same level as these geeks. <laughs> She's What's not far away. You're right. She's not. And, mean... she, and she has the added thing that she was in. A, she was a, a glow wrestler for a little bit, I think, uh, as well. No, Ivory and, was. Well, no, I think, I think Tori was, too. Tori was, too. Yeah. She was I mean, in something. Ivory definitely. Um, oh, I mean, oh, I forgot about Ivory. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Tori was in the LPWA, the uh, Ladies Professional Wrestling Association. Yes, yes, she was. Uh, Terry Power. Terry, that was her name, Terry Power, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they tried to build it around her, too. They did, yeah. Then she wrestled for a year, took time off, and then they hired her seven years later (laughs) to join the World Wrestling Federation. Right. I mean, she has as much of a case as any of these other geeks. I mean... Especially like Ivory or Molly Holly, I mean Jacqueline. I guess she was a was in some of the territories, Memphis, Texas, WCW run for a bit. We were really stretching. With <laughs> she was in. We're basically saying this person wrestled in these companies at some point, and that is the that is yeah. the, the, the the yeah. So we it's fine to just say hey, cool, whatever, great honor. But yeah, we don't yeah. have to we don't have to pretend that these people are actually Hall of Famers. It's okay. So. I mean, it's it, look for that Hall of Fame. It really doesn't matter who cares, but if you just want to have fun with it and apply any kind of standards, none of these people would be anywhere near any Hall of Fame. I mean, it's just, but you're right. It, it's so you do have to go through that, you know, twenty four hours where people act like it means more than it does, and it's like. You know, we have to celebrate the great career of Ivory. I mean, the one. The best is I I forget what the article was, and I don't want to, you know, single anybody out, but there was an article that was like, 
oh, Molly Holly, very deserving. They listed her accomplishments in a joke. It was like a paragraph. It was just yeah. like, uh, she debuted and then uh, she wrestled and then she retired and then she did stuff with the hurricane. All right. <laughs> like, it was just, one, they were just one. listing what her story, it was like, Molly Holly uh, uh, debuted in WCW as Miss Madness and, uh, well, then she left, and then she went to WWF, and then she was uh, uh, Crash Holly Bob Holly's uh, sister, and then uh, then she wrestled as the Hurricanes uh, manager, and then she retired. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're just saying things that she did. Like, Yeah, yeah. Those are just, yes, you're right. She did do those things because she was in the company. But, yeah, it, it they, they, they confuse accomplishments for, you know. It's a resume. Right, exactly. Right, right. Those aren't yeah. accomplishments. It, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. She literally may have never had a single main event in her life. Uh, wow. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, especially women of that era. No, no way. I think Jacqueline probably did outside of WWE. Um, Ivory probably did in Glow. I don't think Molly Holly probably. She probably never had a main no, event. No, I think I, I don't think she ever did. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Great. WWE Hall of Fame. So get into it. Can't two, we, nights? Can't, two, two night event. Or no, it's just a one night event, but they're doing two Hall of Fame classes because last year's Hall of Fame class got there. Oh, okay. I when's the what's the last Hall of Fame sir? <laughs> Maybe do you watch them? I haven't watched Hell one no. since. Good God, no. Yeah, I haven't watched one since like two thousand five or something. I, I like, remember Yeah, dude, I don't think I watched yeah, I think the last one I saw was Bret Hart in Chicago was like the last one I actually watched. Yeah. Um, and that's only because I wanted to go. I didn't end up going, but, but I wanted to go to that night just because I was like, Oh, Bret Hart Hall of Fame. I got it. But that's, that's literally it. And <laughs> the best. So, so last year, you know, I'm, I'm at, uh, I'm at the Barclays center for, for takeover or two years ago at WrestleMania weekend. I'm at the Barclays center and, and, and me and the guy I was with Sean Flynn, who, who people on the site will know or whatever. We were just laughing. And we're just thinking like, can you imagine with all the wrestling events going on in this entire weekend, Imagine coming here tomorrow to watch the fucking WWE Hall of Fame. And there were guys standing, sitting like right in our same row. They were really annoying or whatever. Those guys get up before Gargano and Cole and go, yeah, we're going to we're going to leave because, yeah, we got to be back here tomorrow for the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Oh, God. God Are you kidding? Five minutes away from here, 10 minutes away. I don't know my I don't my New York geography that much. You're going to have Kazuchika Okada win the IWGP heavyweight title. Yeah, you're gonna have Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi wrestle in a 30 minute match of the year contender, and you're gonna sit here and go, "You deserve it!" Like DX, like <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ, like get to Ivory, right? What are you doing? You're gonna celebrate the career of Ivory. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, it's like man, they're probably wearing their like suit because we're the whole time we were laughing, like while we're like imagine like you know sitting in your hotel room and getting like your suit ready because <laughs> like you know you're supposed to kind of dress up you're not supposed to just show up yeah. in your your wrestling yeah. shirt so some guy's like oh as he's packing for wrestlemania weekend he puts in like you know a nice shirt so he can go to the- i gotta uh i gotta pack a cummerbund so i can <laughs> right. go watch jacqueline get inducted into the hall of fame imagine that oh my god yeah so we were laughing the entire time and these dorks that were like ah these fucking assholes these guys suck leave before the main event before gargano and cole uh, because they have to be back here tomorrow and they're 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 tired. So it's like okay. unbelievable. Hit the bricks, guys. So yeah, it was it was great. So all right, that is our show. Let WrestleMania weekend. So we didn't get a chance to to bury uh, the indie uh, shows on WrestleMania weekend. There's plenty of time. Plenty to do that. of time to do that. We have a a whole month to go, and and we will 
I think do our WrestleMania weekend previews again. Uh, last year I said I wasn't going to do it, but I think I'm back into doing them uh, this year because uh, they're going to be pretty fun. I was depressed about WrestleMania weekend last year, but now I've just accepted it's utter shit. So now I think it'll be even better to, to bury these plenty shows, of so. time to have every indie promoter in the country turn on us. <laughs> turn on us and use and us to sell guys. tickets. Yeah, and use us to sell tickets. Which is, and I'm, sick their followers on us yeah. and, and everything else. Yeah, plenty of time for that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's it for us. So upstart.com slash VOW. Uh, we mentioned that uh, our sponsor for this week's show, upstart.com slash VOW. Take a five-minute survey, a five-minute uh, credit report there to find out if you can uh, get a loan. Upstart.com slash VOW. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. We previewed uh, the Fired Up with the Nurse. Uh, we also have a new deep dive, Joshi and the WWF, uh, getting really good reviews uh, so far. Uh, so we have that up on Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling, $5 tier uh, as well. So plenty of stuff. Uh, to do here, voiceofwrestling.com, at Voice of Wrestling on Twitter, voiceofwrestling.com, so Discord, plenty of ways to uh, interact with us. But anyway, that is it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll see you next time.